Hello and welcome back to the Super Show podcast. Another week has gone by, which means we have another week's worth of gaming news, hot takes and trash opinions to give you. This week, I'm joined by the one and only Jamie. How the hell are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you for having me, Mr. Jones. I'm glad that we're both here to hold down the fort. Sadly, no CJ, which means he gets to miss out on all the fun. He does, although I, I need to stop you right there. My wife would kick off if she heard you say, hold down the fort, you American. What? It's hold the fort. What are you hold holding down? down? I don't know. You can see just... the, uh, the culture leeching into your brain through the internet. How did that saying get changed then? Where, where did the word down come from and how did it get inserted into it if it doesn't mean anything? Americans say hold down the fort. But why did they put the word down? Do, do forts work differently out there? Are they functioning they... in a strange way over the Atlantic? Yeah, they they like to squash forts and hold them down, not right. let them out. It's I see. Like, yeah. um, what do they? Uh, I could care less. Oh yeah, that, okay, that's that's an less. annoying one. Makes um, no sense. The, another one, and uh, this is probably, in fact, almost certainly a British one, and it's not quite as frustrating as the one you just said from a grammatical perspective, but it does make me raise an eyebrow. Is when s's either get lost or get switched around when people are shortening for fuck's sake, and you get a lot of fuck's sake or fuck's or fuck's sakes and things like that and yeah, i don't know wow that's a weird that one to get yeah it's a weird one to get hung up on but it's for the sake of the fuck don't forget the thing that's being saked don't don't forsake the fuck don't, that's what we're trying to say don't forspoken the fuck don't fuck forspoke fuck forspoken Exactly, exactly. Um, and what you should give a fuck about is video games. And um, this week, we're going to be mostly talking about Opening Night Live, where Jeff Keighley uh, once again brought us the opening night of Gamescom, which is in Germany, if you didn't know. Um, and we're also, after we've talked about uh, sort of a few of the games that he has shown off, a few little world premieres, a few little extra bits of trailers and things from games that we've seen before, we're also going to touch on the PlayStation VR 2 and maybe even some other news from the week if we've got time. Um, <laughs> depends, depends how long we spend talking about Saints Row. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it does. Uh, that is not yet, though. That is when we get to the catch-up, which is going to be after... The, uh, the little bits that I have to do, Jamie, because people need to know where they can listen to us, where they can watch us, because you can watch us in video on YouTube, as some of you probably are right now, but you can also listen to us um, on podcasting platforms across the interwebs. I'm talking Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, all those other podcasting platforms. We are kind of ubiquitous, so you've got no excuse um, to not hear us or see us on a weekly basis. We are also, oh, there's a really weird bug that was just climbing on my keyboard. I'm just flicking it away because it was freaking me out. Anyway, we are also uh, on Paisley Radio, paisleyradio.com, Thursdays at 10 p.m., repeated on Mondays at 10 p.m. If you want a little bit of a, a 90s experience brought into your life, why not check out some internet radio where you can't just choose to, you know, skip and fast forward and do whatever. You have to listen to it. Like you're back in the garage fixing your car and the radio's on and you're like, oh, what a great show I'm listening to today. <laughs> so, the, voice, um, the voice has to change, does it? It has to go all-timey. Of course. I'll, yeah. I mean, it, it better if we call it the wireless. If they change it from Paisley Radio to Paisley Wireless, I'll be loving it. Wow. Um, so there, there's an idea. I'll send an email. I'll put, yeah, I'll put a word. I'll put a good word in for you. Drop, drop some hints. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hello and welcome to the Super Show podcast. <laughs> that's, that's how we'll be doing it. When we have to do a sponsored episode of this podcast for like Fallout 5 or something, and we sign a weird deal with Bethesda where we have to do that voice for the entire two hours, people are going to be very upset. They will love it. 
it will, they reject, that'd be it. We'd have to change the whole time after that. It will rival our collaboration with Fallout 76 for the worst sponsored idea of, <laughs> of all time. Very, very possibly. Um, but you know what's not a bad idea, Jamie? What? Is signing up to our Patreon over well. at patreon.com forward slash super show. Um, a number of people have already done it. They've chosen to support us to help us keep the lights on, help us keeping back, coming back week after week to do more podcasts, more super shows. Um, and I would like to read out some of their names because they are absolute legends. There are some names on screen right now, but I'd also like to give a shout out to Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cole K. Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camdow Nielsen, Leo Merger, Mindful Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Nathan Piers, Pastors Guild, and the big dogs. They are Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Doppler, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Reed, Manuel Guerrero, and Peaswatt. So thank you so much, guys. Thank you for supporting us. Um, if you would like to join our Patreon, for as little as $2, you can get access to our Discord server where you can come and chat to us, chat to some of the other uh, patrons over there, or you can go to one of the higher tiers and you can see some of um, our archive content from back in the day. Um, some behind-the-scenes stuff and also some relatively new stuff as well. I'm talking about... The murder thing. I don't even remember what it's called. It's been known murderers. Known murderers. Don't, we don't get to call that new. That's about. That's like a year old plus. To me, that I've got pants that are twenty years old. So you know what I'm saying. Uh, that's new. Uh, yeah, it's all relative, I guess. At the end of the day. Um. Although Jamie, that might not be new. We have got to play some new games recently. Uh, I know you have. So um, I would like to hear your opinions on some of them. <laughs> Shall we just jump right in? Um, Let's do it. We've both been playing uh, some Saints Row over the past week or so. I don't know how much, how many, how many hours deep are you right now? I reckon maybe two. Oh, okay, that it's all. Uh, see, I'm not a crazy amount further in. Regrettably, this isn't going to be one of those sort of post-review conversations with someone who's you know finished the game. I think I'm only about in the six to eight hour region. Um, oh, much further than me. Okay. Yes, although. <laughs> If this is well, any, this is apparently a ten to fifteen hour game. So, oh, is that okay? That's not so bad. I, I will I say, I looked at my percentage completed and my save file the other day, and I was like, I'm slightly further ahead than I thought I would be. Although, I, and I don't mean this to be too ominous a precursor to the conversation we're about to have. I would probably have clocked up a few more hours had this game not essentially forced me to put it down at a few intervals where um, maybe I ended up. At a never-ending loading screen, or maybe uh, a mission scripting bugged out and everything stopped happening and people stopped reacting to me and people stopped responding to me, or a loading screen finished and my character could not move and there was nothing I could do and I couldn't even pause the game. And so, you know when you close an application on the PlayStation, like hard quit, and yep. you're kind of faced with that thing of, I have to go back in, I have to load it all back up, I have to do that entire mission again and hope nothing like this repeats itself. And you kind and it's of three a.m. and it's three a.m. and you just say, "Nah, <laughs> it's not no." Um, that has inhibited my ability to play more Saints Row. Um, Do you know what? I'm actually a little bit excited to hear what you say though, because um, we have not talked about this game at all. No, um, for anyone out there, there has been no pre-gaming. We haven't discussed our opinions at all. Um, and after only two hours, like I said, I've played. Yeah, I'm I'm keen to to know yeah. your sort of overall opinion and, and you know what like the, the this is not going to be helpful but i will just say up front i do still feel like i am still digesting this game not just because i still have more to see and more to play and more to experience but because i've had so many thoughts and this is one of those games where there's so much conversation around it and it's such a minefield out there in terms of what people are saying what people are feeling 
and the experiences people are having that, you know, I've got a lot of different thoughts that are also floating around in my head and I hope I can articulate them for the sake of this conversation and the sake of this podcast. Um, What I'll say is that um, as the um, experiences I just relayed um, moments ago would suggest, uh, there are large technical problems that kind of hit you over the head very early on in your time with Saints Row. And I, I feel like it's not even, at this point, one of those things where you need to put out an APB where you say that not all of these experiences will affect everyone and some people uh, experiences came differently. I feel pretty confident in saying that anyone who plays uh, Saints Row in the early stages of the game's release, and certainly anyone that's played it by the time they're listening to this, will have had some kind of malfunction on a technical level um, as a result of the state of the game. Um, it's undercooked. It should have been in the oven a lot longer. Um, it's mind-boggling when you think of the fact that, you know, this is um, Embracer, who we talked about so much last week, and PlayOn, um, kind of being able to put out their first big AAA uh, product, having made all these acquisitions and bought these franchises and all these studios, and this is uh, their, their opportunity to kind of put a flag in the ground. It's also an August are release. We, are, we, are we comfortable calling it AAA? Yes, because do you know why I'm comfortable calling it AAA, Jonesy? I, I thought the AAA thing was we were saying if it has the financial backing and marketing budget, et cetera, et cetera. I thought that's what we'd said before, right? E- yes, we have said that okay. before. And I think that is still the case. Although I also think that, like, I think we'd be surprised, given how long this has been in development for, how many employees Volition have, and so on and so forth. I don't think this is a double-A game. This is a Saints Re- reboot that has just... um. I was about to say been hung out to dry, but that's the thing. There's two elements to this. There's the part of it which is just like this needed more time in the oven. This didn't even need to come out in August. You could have you could have put release this game in December and earned yourself another four months of time to have nothing else, polish this game and fix some of the technical hiccups and have oh, it be a lot more stable. Four months of that's another four months of paying people to work on it. It is, and clearly that's where you know the rubber met the road on this case, as has happened many times before. You know, we sat here uh, this time, whenever it was, a year ago. Two years ago, kind of time loses all meaning at some point. But with CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk, and yeah, at some point they were like, "This game needs to come out." And clearly, someone somewhere thought that was the case with Saints Row. But and this is the thing I was going to come back around to: is yes, there are technical problems. Yes, there are uh, game breaking bugs and game breaking glitches, and there are things that are going to stop people's progression. And there are even if you're able to avoid the bigger issues, there are lots of small, minute issues that pop up so frequently that they are, you know. Uh, at best, annoying, and at worst, just the, the kind of thing that makes you want to put the game down and give it some breathing space and come back to it at another time. But the most disappointing thing of all for me, as a as a massive Saints Row fan, of someone who has been with the Saints Row series since the very first game, the very first day, the very first game, the, the, the demo for the very first game on the Xbox 360, <laughs> and cares massively about this franchise, is that even with all the technical issues put to one side, and even if they'd released a top-to-bottom polished product, this is still an average open-world crime action game. This is still an open-world game that gets a lot of its ideas and a lot of its design philosophies um, from the games of yesteryear. And I don't know how Volition went back to the drawing board, had a blank canvas in terms of everything and everywhere a Saints Row game can go, and decided that this was the direction it needed. Like, I don't know who they're making this game for. I don't know who needed... I don't know who needed this, and I don't know who wanted this. And I I, I gather there are some people who are enjoying it, and, you know, I'm sure there are 
story moments that I've yet to reach that are engaging and there are character arcs that I've yet to uh, see paid off that are um, endearing in some respects. And I know that you know humor is subjective. There are things that I don't find funny that other people will find funny. But fundamentally, this feels like an old game that if it had been released, like I said, top to bottom polished in pristine condition, I think is like a six or seven out of 10 open world crime game that is rooted in you know the titles of yesteryear and i just think that that's i i, I know this is a strong word to use but it's it's, it's unacceptable um and that and it, 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 not unacceptable because it's bad this is saints row is not a bad game i don't think but it's unacceptable because this was the reboot of saints row this was the game that should have marked the beginning for wherever this franchise goes next and if I'm being totally blunt, I don't think it deserves to go anywhere next. I don't want to see a Saints Row 2 set in Santo Aleso with the same group of characters. I don't think they've earned that. I don't think they've justified that. I don't think that's in the best interest of the fans. I don't think that's in the best interest of the people who could be fans. And in that sense, I feel like they've blown it. We've waited nine years for this franchise to come back. Like I said before, they had a completely blank canvas, and I think they've blown it. And so in some respects... The, the infinite loading screens and not being able to move my character, that stuff becomes the shit that I can laugh at, laugh about and you can tweet about and you can poke fun at. It's the fact that this game is so underwhelming. The fact that this game was so happy being mediocre once you get past that veneer of technical um, hiccups. That's what yes. bums me out the most. Yeah, I'm I'm nowhere near as, as deep into it as you are. Like I said, I've only played like two hours. And I feel like, so the one of the things I questioned was when you said AAA was because of, if we're just saying, if AAA, really the difference between AAA and AA is effectively money, then one thing I wonder is, is that the issue with this game? Was it that they weren't prepared to spend a, a AAA amount of money on it, but they've still tried to put out a AAA game? And maybe that's where, you know, they've, they've decided, hey, look, we need to release this because... We're at the end of the cycle. We don't want to put any more money into it. Um, so effectively do what we can. So I, I've ha- already, I've had the feeling like I'm playing, I'm not going to say a beta. I'm going to, I'm playing like an in-between an alpha and a beta because some yeah. of the elements seem polished and seem actually fine. And then some other elements just seem completely undercooked, as you said. Um, like I've already had problems in, in the two hours I've been playing with, um, the drive, like the driving, for example, sometimes it's actually felt fine and quite fun and, and stuff. Sometimes it's just, it, like the car just wouldn't turn right; it would literally would only turn left, and I've got no idea what that was about. I would yeah. I have sections where um the the controls would just bug out and it would and backward and the invert Y would like have turned itself on mm-hmm. somehow, yep. which is like really random. And then my guys like walk it; I have to push back to walk forward, and and it just gets very strange. Um, but then other elements of it, which I think people have also said about that they don't like, which I kind of push back on a bit, um, is things like, um, but to be fair to them, I can see why they've said it, but there are things like they, they don't like the characters. They don't like the way that the characters are kind of ludicrous in that they're supposed to be young, Gen Z, um, and they're all like talking about, oh, my student loan and I've got to uh, fight the capitalism mm-hmm. um, and all of that. And then at the same time, they're these insane like murdering nut jobs. But I actually think that how ludicrous that is, is on purpose. Like I actually don't mind that, but I think it's it's definitely underdone. Like they need to have done a lot more with the character, even like the short bit I've seen. I think they're trying to do kind of a silly thing where 
for humor where you play a game, you know, you play loads of games and you'll kill thousands of people. And then you'll go back to the storyline where you go and meet the wife and you chat and you go and take your kid to like soccer practice. And you're like, this, this is insanity. I've just blown up half of downtown and now I'm running errands for my wife, like, like a, you know, a Grand Theft Auto or whatever. Yeah. But that is bizarre, at least it's in this a, game. It's called ludonarrative dissonance, I think. Ludonarrative dissonance. I know you love that phrase. But <laughs> I think with, with this, I actually think they've done, I think they've kind of played that for laughs and they've sort of taken it satirically where you've got someone going, oh yeah, I'm going to join a uh, commune and we're going to like um, not spend any money and we're going to be really good about blah, blah, blah. And then two seconds later, you're robbing a a, lo- a small loans company to pay your rent. Mm. And the job that one of you, you know, that you go and get right at the beginning of the game is as a, um, uh, what do they call them? A mercenary, like just killing people for hire. And it's this kind, it plays these two things I think it does okay in the tone in, in the first sort of couple of hours, but the way the game is made is just bad. Like it yeah. just, some of the, some, there were some things that I did like the lock on with the, the aiming and stuff. I thought, okay, that's a bit naff, but they have a very generous lock on and stuff. So you, the actual, and the way that you run around and doesn't feel amazing, but it doesn't feel too bad. It, you know, I think a lot of that stuff can be fixed with polish and with updates and with um, things, but then just some elements of it already is starting to, I'm like you said, like the world just seems kind of dead. The there's not like, it's everything's very flat. Um, yeah. Maybe it's that you later on in the game, I don't know that you get to areas where it seems a bit more dynamic, but yeah, it, it does feel like a game from yesteryear with a bit with some neon lights. Yes. Yeah. Which so like, to add, like, they've done what I've done. They've tried to, they've tried to zhuzh up the, uh, yeah. zhuzh up the game with one well-placed purple neon light. Yeah. Cause someone came in and was like, everything looks like this, like you said, very flat, very dull. Or it just has this sort of very yellowish tone. None of the lighting seems to have any real sort of like contrast or depth to it. What can we do? Neon. And let's put a whole gang around neon. So every time they show up, everything's colorful. Um, I, I did the character creator as well. Like I thought at least they can, at least they've done, you know, had fun with that. And they've made the boss creator, boss creator, or whatever you call it, where you can go and you can mess around and you can create a character and you can change them all the time. I just, I made a character and then I, I did. Yeah. I was just a bit like, okay, I can be whoever I want to be. It's one of those sorts of games and you get into the game, but because you pick your voice, suddenly it just all falls apart because you, if you don't look right to how you sound, it's, yeah. just, it's shit. And so the first voice that I picked, which I thought, oh, that sounds cool. It was like the, the third voice, voice three or something for the guy. And it was like, obviously like a young black guy has done the voice for it. And then I, and I look like a slightly older Hispanic man in the game. I've got like gray hair oh, like, and a gray like uh, tash. And then all of a sudden he's, he just sounds so weird that I'm like, okay, I've got to change this. So I've changed it back to the, the default voice, but he now, again, he sounds like a young hipster and he looks completely, and I'm like, okay, I can't be asked to mess around with all these voices and find much. It looks like it fits. Um, yeah. I don't know. Little things like that kind of bugged me from the get. No, I, I think that's totally that. Like there are, I think Asterix is next to nearly everything that Saints Row does, whether it does it, you know, mostly successfully or mostly or, or, or largely fails at what it's trying to do. There are still asterisks next to everything. Um, no, I agree. Yeah. How do, so how do you, okay, a question I have for you, because this is something I've already thought. If we waited six months for like updates and patches, I think the game will be probably in a much better position. Purely because like you've said, it's still a six, it's going to be a six out of seven, even with a load of polish and a load of shine. Yeah. I think it will be a half decent fun game. 
if they Absolutely. can do all of that, if they can do all of that polish and shine, if they can get rid of the, the bad controls, the way that it feels, and you know, get do a lot of that polish. You with me there? Yes, I am with you there, and I and I, I also think that it's it's totally valid for people to want or need a kind of six or seven out of ten open world crime action game in their life. Sometimes people end up in those spots where they want to play something like a Saints Row and then Saints Row can, is able to take it one step further than sort of other traditional open world, uh, you know, action fare by it's got that extra mayhem element. And, you know, Saints Row has always got a wacky, zany sense of humor and, you know, you're going to cut shop and have ridiculous, eventually get ridiculous weapons, ridiculous vehicles and missions with bizarre set pieces and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's going to be there. And I can totally see why people might want that at some point in their life. But I just, I, I'm not going to back down from the hill that a, like the Saints Row reboot, the blank canvas on which to set up the rest of this franchise, the future of this franchise, and the blank canvas from which they had four, four and a half games to learn from and to pick and choose elements from. Um, it, it, it's, it's not good enough in that regard. Um, and like we talked about all the little asterisks that would appear next to everything this game does and how many of them would be sorted out. And I, I've had them too. I've had um, character creation elements reset, like my voice changed when I loaded in one time. Guy answers the phone call and is like, I'm a woman now, great. Um, <laughs> little thi like little things like um, uh, the, the, the GPS on the uh, minimap and the GPS on the road, the arrows on the road, were not the same. And also they don't disappear when you get into... Um, uh, flying vehicles so when you're in a helicopter and or you, you can't tell where you're going you have to look at the road and it thinks you're still driving um like <laughs> but th there are a huge majority of uh, animations that just don't don't play out properly they are janky they don't connect uh, with anything else that's happening npcs always feel like they are one moment away one second away from wigging out and losing their chain of command and just doing whatever the fuck they want there's a new t sort of like takedown kind of idea, which is, I guess, meant to be kind of this Doom, Glory Kill inspired, push forward gameplay sort of idea where you work up to this finisher and it's the only way to get back health. So you go up and you push triangle or Y and you do kind of, um, you know, a, 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 an canned animated execution and get some health back. The amount of times the two bodies in that execution just aren't aligned. And so I'm stabbing the air or shooting the air or just <laughs> kicking absolutely nothing. I've lost count of how many times that has happened and so many like you said so many of those things are distractions they they scrub away at that layer of polish that you'd like every game to have they scrub away at the reliability that you feel like you the you and the relationship you have with the game to the point now where if i loaded up saints Row on my ps5 i don't know if i go and do certain missions if i'm going to be able to finish that mission or not i don't know if the mission's right. going to fail on me i don't know if the loading screen's going to fail on me because i've had to quit that get force quit that game four times in six hours and at some point it's just like a weird balancing act of how long do you wait and how much time do you give it and how much breathing room do you give it and how much you know how how long's a piece of rope and a game has to be good enough to make you want to turn it back on again it's never yeah. a good feeling when you kind of look at it and you go oh yeah you look at like netflix or you look at like saints row and you think actually there's some stuff on netflix I'd yeah to watch and <laughs> i did that today i was i was playing some set at saints row today and I was like, do you know what? I'm halfway through an episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, <laughs> so I think I'll turn, I think I'll just turn Saints Row off for a bit and I'll just watch like, that. Yeah. Probably better, like, you know, better use of your time. Your time's being more valued, if nothing else. And yeah, like, there, there, there are. Okay, but there is something I like about it, though. There is, like, I've, I've enjoyed Saints Row games before, and there is an element to this that I 
that I do like, like I can, I, I'm kind of like, okay, I think I get where they're coming from. I think I get the direction they're going to go. I, I like how ludicrous the, uh, what, what is it? Ludo narrative dissonance. Sure. Whatever you said. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I kind of feel like, oh, I could see where they were going to go with it. Like they had this stupid idea that, oh, we're going to take these four characters and we're going to say like, hey, look, in one half, they're a, a barista and a student and a um, uh, an army guy and a this and then and a, and a mechanic. And then they all do, they do these insane things and the game's totally over the top and it just gets more and more ludicrous as the game goes on. Like I, I'm down for that. I just think the problem is with all of the issues and how underbaked it is and how how badly served apparently by um the you know whatever issues that have gone on behind the scenes i yeah i don't think it's going to be i can't yeah. see how it's going to turn into that game for me no i, I me, me either and i'm a little bit further than you like i said i'm not far enough where i can write off uh characters or or story or, or writing in general i need to see more of that to come to a conclusion on it and that those are the elements i was always going to give this game the most like lenience and if you go back to Anytime we talked about Saints Row over the past uh, year or two, it's actually probably just a year, right? A year flat. Um, especially given the reaction to the reveal trailer and some of the miscommunication around the nature of the boss in this game and how, right. of course, you were still going to be able to customize your boss and make them whoever you wanted to be, but they went with a you know a female boss in the trailer, blah, 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 blah. Go, 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 bro, all that bullshit. Um I've always been the guy who said, I'm going to give them all the time they need. I was the guy who liked Watch Dogs 2, and and whether it's Stockholm Syndrome or otherwise, I came around to liking those kind of, that band of misfit kind of weirdos. And even Wrench, the guy with the, you know, the LED display on his head, I've got... I've got room. I've got leverage to to dip into those kind of narratives. You know me. I I, I like all the narrative-driven games about lesbians. I'm that, I'm that guy. You do. Like, yeah. You are um, that guy. And so... You I like have, everything. I like everything. I'll give it... I'll, uh, when it comes to video games, I will try and give everything the time of day. And I'm still in the... In the you know, in the process of giving some of Saints Row's narrative choices and character arcs and so on and so forth the time of day. But it's just how saddened I am by everything else around that, that I can make pretty good gut instincts on um, and gut checks on, like, from the rip that that is kind of um, lessening my will to continue exploring those avenues and seeing where that stuff goes. And I will just say, like, you know, every game needs to flesh out its... Uh, you know, need to flesh out its progression with the number of missions they can. They can't all be as large or as cinematic as um, as as each other. As you know, and it can't always hit the same highest highs. But I will say, like anecdotally, in my six hours, the first two hours has far more you know high level scripted cinematic missions than than the subsequent four hours. You know, you th- right. in the early stages of the game, you know there are big kind of set piece heavy missions. You know, Mad Max Fury Road inspired. Uh, like uh, convoy uh, attacks and all this kind of stuff. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, I, ju- I just finished. Um, I think I just finished that mission. Right, you're talking about. But like the 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 a mission I just did um, the la- last night was pick up a dude from the Saints HQ, drive to a place, shoot some people. We drove to another place, we shot some people, and on the way on the drive back, the mission completed. And that could be used to describe. And I know I've criticised that kind of communication around games before, like that kind of intentionally. Um, intentionally diluting what a game is doing to just drive here, shoot that, because I know so many games are fundamentally built up, made of those building blocks, and I'm not trying to be critical of Saints Row for falling into that formula, but it's when you notice that formula more than you do um, in other games, then it suggests that 
not everything is sort of coalescing in a way that's actually selling you on the entire package of everything that's going on. And I think that's because in the process of trying to warm to the characters and the process of trying to understand where the narrative wants to go, I think the driving is fine. I actually quite like the drift mechanic for what it's worth. I think it's lenient enough and fluid enough that you can actually have some fun with it. I think the shooting is really rather rough and I think is a step back from um, Saints Row 3 and Saints Row 4, which is not a particularly you know high compliment in the first place because I don't think those games ever nailed their shooting. Um, like mission structure, mission sign, especially around the open world and side stuff. I like the idea of having this sort of like criminal venture board and choosing the businesses you place down and where you place them down. But as soon as you realize that that's just the front for you choosing which set of side missions you unlock next and having them appear on the map, I think it then becomes this really like strange, almost like, like stop starty way to like, let's say you want to do insurance fraud because that's just like a, a classic Saints Row side activity and it's a fun way to make money and get respect or XP or whatever the case. And now it's like this thing of, well, I went to the Criminal Ventures board and I placed this fake hospital here, which opened up one um, uh, case of uh, uh, insurance fraud over here. And I went and did that. And now I have to, and like you, you're going up these chains and each time you're earning more. And it like nothing feels I'm, I'm I'm struggling to to kind of put it to words, so it, but it has, yeah. it's got it's got the right good ideas, but then in the execution of it, it just feels bad. It just feels badly yeah. executed. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. I think I, I think that's, that's the game line. from even from the short amount I've played so far. I think that seems like the game all over. Like, and I think you made a really good point, which was that you can break games down into, and I like to <laughs> break <laughs> games down into go here, shoot this person, go here, shoot this person. But I think the difference is. In some games, the go here, shoot this person is the whole point because it feels so goddamn good. Like you could break down Hitman 3 and you could say Hitman 3 is sneak around, shoot person, sneak sneak away. But the, the reason that game feels so good is because the way the sneaking and the shooting the person and the leaving the area feels so good that you enjoy it and, and it looks great. This, um, so I've just done the convoy mission that you were talking about through like a sandstorm where you're tracing a, chasing a truck and you're like, laying on top of cars, shooting at bikes, shooting at other cars, truck shooting people in turrets. And it just felt horrible because it like you weren't, there was no skill involved. It's get the reticle kind of near bad guy, pull trigger and it locks on. And then you just quickly hit the shoot, the fire button multiple times and reload and do the same thing again. And that's not like, that's no fun in that, especially in a, in a game that you're already feeling a bit jaded by, you know, from yeah. other things that mess up, like you were saying about technical issues. And I had technical issues with that, um, with that level and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a real shame. I think, um, I do think that it's, it could be helped masses by updates, patches, yes. hot fixes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm sure those are incoming, but I mean, yeah, if anyone asked me at the moment, whether they should buy Saints Row, my, I would be like, you need to wait, <laughs> seriously yeah. wait. It might never get there. Like I have no idea what their, um, after service sort of is going to, is going to look like. Um, I mean, they haven't been communicating it, much thus far. No, there's already um, there's already confusion about whether or not a day one patch has like been sent out to all platforms. Last time I checked, some people on Xbox seem to have a version. I think coming out was one point three or one point oh three that doesn't seem to be present, or at least not nearly as present on PlayStation platforms. So I'm not right. sure what's going on there. Um, yeah. Oh well, but there we yeah. go. I I, I, I will stick with it, and I will continue as ever to hope to be pleasantly surprised by some of the directions it takes things by some of the missions later on like i said by by narrative or character elements or even just by you know 
a progression of some of the mechanics that aren't winning me over thus far, like the criminal ventures system, like you know fundamentals like the shooting. Um, if the, you know if there's a weapon that changes stuff like that, or if you know as I level up and get more abilities or more perks, if you know things change in a fundamental way, I'll leave the continue to leave the door open for that. But again, the the thing I can't escape when I think about Saints Row is how this was nine years, not necessarily in the making, but as for us as players, nine years of waiting for the future of a franchise that as a, as a big Saints Row fan hadn't really let me down thus far. And the fact that they couldn't even release a buttoned up version of an underwhelming Saints Row game is, is extremely disappointing to me. Um, I, I think also it's, it's, I, I I find that um, and you know we're going to run on to talk about um, opening night live. It and maybe this is unfair to put this on like one uh, you know a game in particular, but when you play a game like this and you think back about the you know the trailers and things that we've seen before and you think about the marketing uh, process now you know or we've been seeing Saints Row content for like the last year and getting hyped for it um, in some cases. You, it makes me think about games that we're now seeing trailers for that we haven't played yet, totally. gameplay of, and it just makes me worry about those, you know, that hasn't come out yet. And I'm like, Jesus, is it going to be a cyberpunk? Is it going to be a Saints Row? Is it like, how many times are we going to get stung by? I did not I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's always been the same. I'm sure it has always been the same way with the games industry, but it does feel like games <laughs> that shouldn't miss the mark this hard. Yes. It feels like it keeps happening on big titles these days where you would just think they would get the basics right. And even in like in Saints Row, they, it seems like they can't even get the basics right, which is surprising. It's surprising. It's very surprising. Especially because it, it's um, still Volition as well. Like it was the same team. I don't know, man. Yes, it's, it's the thing. If it was a different developer, at least you could maybe say, you know, maybe it's a different publisher. So maybe you can say that there was actually, the, you know, the old <laughs> mop thing of, you've, you, it's still the same mop, but actually how many of the elements of the mop have changed and different publisher, different team members, you know, maybe that's got part, you know, part to do with it. Yeah. Stuff. But who who knows? But hey, let's move on from Saints Row anyway, Jamie. What else have you been playing this week? Um, I, on a more positive note, I played a, a couple of uh, smaller uh, independent titles, if you will, mm. um, that... Let's be let's be upfront before we get um you know over the top with any comparisons. I'm not trying to do anything near as big or as ambitious as something like a Saints Row. Neither of these two games that I've played are open world uh, crime action games, for example. Uh, but they are both games that have honed in on what they want to be good at and are subsequently are good at those things. Um, one game I actually started playing um, before last week's episode. I just forgot to give a shout out. Oh, it's just Roller Drone. Um, which I absolutely love. I just think it nails pretty much everything it's going for. Um, I, you know, obviously positive um, uh, vibes going into it uh, as a result of the fact that it's being developed by Roll Seven, who I thought smashed it with Oli Oli World earlier in the year. And the real, you know, conversation in my head going into Roller Drone was: Can they handle that transition to the more three D perspective, the sort of the Tony Hawk's aggressive inline uh, inspired perspective? And they can they also, you know, get a system that feels complete and fair. Um, and you know that has room to grow and 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 to master and kind of emulates that kind of classic Tony Hawk's feeling while also letting me slow down time and shoot people in the head. And the answer to that is a resounding yes. And when you throw that in with a really cool art style and a thumping soundtrack um, and really good sort of like pacing and measuring in terms of the difficulty curve and how it introduces new weapons and how it introduces new enemy types, it's just a really well well rounded game that also has a surprisingly interesting world and kind of meta narrative layer. So. Um, um, certainly anyone that kind of looks at that and wants, you know, likes the idea of um, a Tony Hawk's or aggressive inline style roller 
skating game. I don't think they're actually rollerblades. I think it's roller skating with shooting that kind of reminded me of sort of Sunset Overdrive in terms of how that handles the auto lock-on stuff of like, hey, we want you to be able to grind and do tricks, but also you're going to be able to shoot people at the same time. Um, Yeah, it really nails that. And the other game that I want to give a shout-out to that I played on Game Pass over the last couple of days that also absolutely nails what it's going for, um, even if it doesn't necessarily nail all the things it clearly cares less about, is Midnight Fire Express. Um, I, will, I, talk, I know I talked about it a couple of months ago, Jonesy, when the demo got released, and I will say my thoughts haven't, you know, uh, become haven't changed that much since that demo. I still think the fundamentals of Midnight Fight Express, which is you know the melee combat, um, and especially the way the melee combat develops as you flesh out that skill tree, are really well done. There is a really kind of meaty, crunchy feel to it all that you know, you know, reminds me of things like the Arkham games or Sifu or you know. You know, it's in that kind of realm, but with a far more uh, simplistic uh, combat scheme, far more simplistic approach to combos, um, far more simplistic. It's like an arcade seafood, isn't it? That's kind yeah, of yeah, exactly. I yeah, exactly. Um, but it, but it, but it kind of nails what it what it what's going for. The story is absolutely nonsense. A lot of the dialogue is really bad. It's sort of this intentionally pulpy, schlocky. B-movie nonsense about a sleeper agent who's awoken by a drone that arrives in a parcel one day and basically just goes out trying to rid a city of crime before crime takes over the city itself. But all you're really focused on during uh, Midnight Fight Express is is fucking people up. Um, and it gives you a plethora of ways to do that, a plethora of weapons, um, both melee and range to do it with. And just about all of that fucking up feels good. And I feel like that's sort of the fundamental of what a game like that is going for. So two thumbs up. Says Roger Ebert. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the demo um, of Midnight Fight Express. I haven't actually played any since uh, it came to Game Pass, but uh, yeah, I, I think I'd, I have n- I'd not long complete, um, completed My Friend, Pe- My Friend Pedro, um, and I definitely right. felt like it was Sifu meets My Friend Pedro is kind of what that's you a, get. That's an interesting way of putting it, yeah. yeah. Um, but no, very cool. Um, I have played one other thing this week, which I'll touch on re- um, briefly, which it was uh, Cult of the Lamb. Um I'm jealous. I thought I'd pick this up because <laughs> uh, I was going away. And so I needed something to play on the train and not train plane and sitting at the airport and stuff. So, um, yeah, I picked this up. Um, it, do you know what's okay? The, I have a bit of a weird relationship with kind of like roguelites or dungeon crawlers, whatever you want to call them. Mm. Um, because I often don't, I often like enjoy them a lot and then fall off really hard. Um, because the elements that I think keep people going back time after time, like, you know, the, just going through the dungeon again and again and the the loot cycle and and trying to unlock new stuff and whatever. I kind of, I I don't know. It just doesn't stick well that well with me. Um, With um, uh, Metroid Dread um, was one of the first times I've sort of played a game like that and actually thought and got to the end of it and had a good time with it. And, you know, but maybe, you know, it's not the same in the sense of you don't have to, it's not got forever changing level designs and things, but it has got more of that kind of, Metroid feel to it. Cult of the Lamb is very weird and I loved it. Like I thought it was um it's 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 a it's super strange. I don't even know what genre it would fall into. I guess well, it is it is a um uh I, I what from what I gather is what people are saying it's sort of like a, a, a dungeon crawling rogue light that has, you know, it's like a almost like a dumbed down like Hades um but, but then you that you come back and all of a sudden it becomes um, 
not like a not not quite like Stardew Valley, but like almost like an Animal Crossing. <laughs> but it is Animal yeah, Crossing. Yeah, it is like exactly. It is like Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing at the same time, which is a weird combination. So uh, art style wise, your character and like, the characters that you meet, the, the people that you meet in the world who you can convert to your cult um, are these like little cutesy animal drawings. They're like hedgehogs and reindeers um, <laughs> and stuff. But you, when you meet them, they're like about to be sacrificed by um, other people. And then you sort of, you kill the other people, rescue them. And then they're like, please don't kill me. And you're like, I won't kill you. I'm going to convert you. And then your eyes like roll back into your head, their eyes roll back into their head and they disappear. And then you go back to your home base, like after you've finished, you know, um, the dungeon or whatever that you're in. Um, and when you go back, so I'll try, I'll try to give you a rough breakdown, which oh, this took me by surprise. I didn't realize this was how this game was going to go. So you die at the beginning of the game, but you're brought back by like this demon from below um, who wants to use you as his sort of supreme warrior to destroy the uh, the earthly beings who are keeping him hostage in the under realm. Okay, and they've they've got him chained up and he can't escape. So yeah, he gives you new life. He gives you superpowers. He gives you something called the Red Crown, which is sort of imbues this dark power onto you. Gives you the ability to um, unlock new moves, and that's that takes on a lot of your skills and things. Um, that you can unlock during during the game. It then has the idea of like tarot cards thrown into it. So those are your unlockables that you can work to to pro- as you progress through the game. Uh, sorry, through the through the dungeons, you will get tarot cards which will give you different powers. So it might give you an extra heart. It might give you double damage. You know, it could do a whole range of stuff. Um, or it might give like you get down to one heart every hit you do is critical or something like that. You then also have, as you'd expect, the um, the powers that you can unlock, which are permanent, um, which are, I think they're the ones that are done sort of through the crown. Um, but yes, yeah, sideline to the whole dungeon crawly going through destroying all of your enemies, you then have the little Stardew Valley base like home where you go back to where you're... Um, your followers are mining stone, mining wood. Um, you're building buildings, like you're building a, a temple and you have to build like sleeping bags for them to sleep in. They've also got... Um, uh, hunger and faith requirements that you've got to like serve and you can give them little gifts so that one of them like you know he'll never sleep so he never needs to sleep so he'll just keep working all through the night and gets your resources together that you need to build um but it all comes together in a really nice way mm. and the way that it kind of works is you'll progress through a number of dungeons and once you've defeated the dungeons picking like routes so you can you know you can you can sort of decide I'm going to go this way and I'm going to recruit a new follower. I'm going to go this way and I'm going to unlock like loads of stone. Um, And then you'll get to the end of the level and you'll sort of face a mini boss. And once you've fought like four mini bosses um, across a range of dungeons, you then get to fight one of the big bosses. And once you take out one of the big bosses, you know, it goes on again and again and again until you kill all the big bosses and then you release the, uh, the Uber demon. Um, but it's just the way that all those elements come together and that you get to uh, grow your cult, um, which you can change the name of as well. I did call mine Cult of the Lamb because I thought that was fun. But cool, um, yeah. you can do, yeah, you can kind of push the cult in different directions and you can you can grow it so that you have this this horde of little little woodland animals like supporting you. And you can sacrifice them as well to like give, you know, your followers more faith. You can declare doctrines in your cult. So you can say, oh, we're going to, um, we have a doctrine of, uh, I don't even know, um, but it will give you certain power-ups and certain buffs to your cult, which obviously you don't lose if you die, etc. cetera. Um, it's just a weird ass game, man. And with the art style and the combat and everything together, it's, it's very cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, anyone who, is into sort of those sorts of games at all like roguelites at all um like i absolutely recommend it like hollow knight i enjoyed for the combat i thought was a lot of fun but i did find it a little bit trying to sort of stick with 
Um, this I already, I'm like, no man, I want to, I want to support my little woodland creatures and I want to get us to be the uber cult, um, and kill the, when that demon dude comes out at the end, cause it's obviously going to happen that we're going to have to fight him and take over as the leader. I'm up for it, man. Our cult is taking over the world. It's cult of lamb all the way. Fuck that demon dude. Nice. I'm a little bit scared, but I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. It's, it's, I like the, the juxtaposition of the weird mishmash of styles is, is cool. Just I promise like me it. you won't get any ideas that you can relate now into your real life from this game oh i'm learning man i'm getting i'm picking up some of the uh some of those um uh sermons and some of the uh the little declarations you can do i'm going to create my own little cult cult of the jones Jones. oh god if i if i see chris's eyes roll back into the roll into the back of his head just once from this point on i'm you know i'm taking you down (laughs) yeah but you won't be able to there'll be two of us Ah, I'm strong on both. I could fight you and Chris at the same time and win. Nah, I could fight you and Chris at the same time and win with one hand tied behind my back. I mean, I'm just going to keep saying maybe because I want to see it happen. It'd be hilarious. With with cult overtones or just for fun? Sorry? With cult overtones or just for fun? Uh, With cult overtones and just for fun. Okay, yes. You you haven't asked me my tactic. Your tactic? Yeah. What is your tactic? I just get both of you to lose your glasses. I just get, <laughs> try and manoeuvre it in such a way that the glasses and fall off both of your faces and I'll we'll stamp each on other. them. And then we'll fight each other. Yeah, exactly. Then I just walk away. We won't, we won't realise who's who. Yeah, exactly. Life hacks. Life hacks. If you fight someone with glasses, just knock the glasses off. Yeah, exactly. Um, yes, well, there you go. That is uh, what we've been playing this week. Um, so, uh, hey, I guess the idea from that you can take Don't Play Saints Row. Play Cult of Lamb. Don't play, don't play Saints Row yet. Maybe play Saints Row in the future if it ends up it being the kind of thing that you want to play. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Chris, uh, oh, I was going to call you Chris then. Jamie. Wow, what a compliment. I've got a comment of the week. Would you like to hear it? I would. This comes in from Sean Cass, who says, if there was a Super Show game and all three of you were different classes in that game, what would they be or what qualities would they have? Personally, I could see Jamie as a tank with a special ability where he gets more powerful, the more damage he takes. Jonesy would be a mage with a special ability that occasionally one of his spells would have a random modifier applied to it. And Chris could be a bard and his special ability is to either speed up time or slow it down. Hmm. This is a fun idea. Um, we should maybe ask this again when Chris is back, because then uh, I'd, I'd like to know. No, this is this is funner because then we get to answer for him and we get to come up with all kinds Ooh, of. Plus, the the, the other thing that I'm thinking of as I'm reading this comment, or rather hearing you read it, is that we have already done uh, some kind of D and D style content that has been committed to film, so to speak. And Chris has already, even though he's not with us here today, he's already aligned himself on on a certain trajectory uh, through that content, which is to say, I think he was he a bard. Was like, no, I was the bard. You were a bard. Why do I think of Chris as being bard-like, at least, in that uh, in He that was the D&D mage, session? wasn't he? Just because he was he? a nutter. He was, yeah, always, the, he was leaping around, pissing on stuff. That's what I was going to say, is that I think no matter what, you know, his actual special abilities or modifiers are, that like it has to involve pissing on people and slitting the throats of um, undeserving onlookers. What, I think that he's... Sean's nailed you. I think you would be a tank. Yeah, I um, think I think I kind of have to be a tank. What would your I, power? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't agree though that your power would be the more that you get. Well, actually, similar. I go similar. The more powerful you get, more powerful the more damage you take. I'm going to go in that you you don't get more powerful the more damage you take. But when you reach critical damage, right, right. you go into rage mode. 
like okay. just red goes over and you just destroy the room and everything. Okay. I can see that. Yeah, that, that kind of. I guess that taps into my persona as a slightly more argumentative individual, which I personally don't think I am, and I don't think I live up to it either. But you know, it's what people want to think. I'm not going to change change their minds. That's what they think. That's fine. Um, I know. See, I, I think it's more like you're you're a very nice, lovable guy. But I imagine if you if you poke the bear too many times with the stick, the bear's going to wake mean, up. There's a reason that's that's expression poking the bear. Like bears are nice, <laughs> big, lovable, bear. cuddly things. But if you poke no, the bear. Not. Yes, they are, Josie. I I just watched Prey the other day, and I can tell you that bears are nice, big, cuddly things, and they're just nice out here big. to make friends. Uh, it's when you look at them funny uh, that, that the problems start to come. Or if you try and like stab them with claws that protrude from your wrist or yeah, anything like that. like that. No, they, they don't, don't like it up them, as that guy says from Dad's Army. They don't like it up them, yes, they in more like ways than one. Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be a mage. I don't, I'm see, not a fan of the mage class. I was going to say, I'm torn on this, because f- being a mage does sort of tap into, there's something about you that's a little bit more like astute and a little bit more worldly and like well-read and like... The, 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 I know that doesn't always probably like... Play out ever. Yeah, play out, certainly on the podcast, but there is something about you, like, I don't know, you're, 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 you're world-weary and you're a, you have an awareness that I associate with a mage. Um... And I could see you wearing, you know, a long cloak or some kind of garb like that. The thing is, oh, you've I also a, got some a cloak. Yeah, and I could see, like, yeah, I could see you wearing like a proper, like, head to toe kind of number with a hood of some nature and really long sleeves, like the whole thing. The thing is, you do have some rogue-ish qualities about you. Where you are, I could also see you in a combat scenario being quite slippery, like maybe climbing a tree or having a knife. I'm not saying you're the kind of person like that's fully cloaking daggers and slits people's throats, um, a la Chris. But there is you you kind of like straddle the line between the two. Which do you associate oh, with more? Or it's neither? Tricky. It's tricky. Because you could also be like a barbarian if you wanted to. It's it's tough. Uh, usually, when I play games, you can choose like type. I'm I'm usually go for like a berserker or like a soldier or something like that. Not quite tank, but one removed. Where you know you get close to the action but maybe not like right into it. Um, but I'd, I like the idea of the cape. Yeah. You could be a mage. Nice. Well, I could be a mage. I could be, a, I could be a mage who likes to get stuck in. That yeah, wouldn't be too bad. Also, if we were to kind of fill out the Holy Trinity, we would need a tank, a healer and a damage dealer. And it sounds like I might have to be the tank. So what if you were, you know, had some healing qualities about you and we allowed Chris to piss on people. And- I do, do you know what? I do enjoy that. I do enjoy playing the old healer role sometimes. I like being that support character. So yeah, that could that could work quite well. A mage with some healing abilities. I like it. Yeah, and then but yeah, the, that would with the capacity to be, to be uh, offensive when needed. Yes, of course you have to. You have you can you have to be able to to be offensive, even if you don't use it that often. Yeah, but then come on then. What would Chris be? I mean, as a class, in terms of, like. I think, see, you described Rogue, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Chris. Like, climbing up a tree with a dagger, stabbing people in their sleep. I'm like, yeah, that, that's, that's Chris right there. Yeah, but there's all pissing on them. He'd stab, on them in, he'd stab them in their sleep, he'd steal their money, and he'd piss on them. The thing is, like, there's, there's elements of Chris's personality that are sort of, like, battling, they're butting heads against each other in my head, which is that when we play out the kind of the fictional, fantastical scenario that we're talking about, Chris does divulge in some of those... Um, less desirable uh, uh, traits, like uh, a, a desire or a willingness to piss 
on members of the public. But in reality, like if this was some real life, real world shit, Chris is extremely sensible. Like Chris is a very like Chris is the capacity to be like oh, oh, the wise one amongst us, like the one who's like, let's break this down and be adults about this. He has, he has. That's true. Which so I guess it depends whether we're indulging more in the fantastical side of things or the more sort of like practical reality side of things. Oh, can we not pull both together? Can he not be? Uh, is there not? A, a, a so he's, he's so he's like a, he's like a Je- he's like a Jekyll and Hyde style. Uh, Yes. So, like, sometimes he, sometimes he's extremely kind of like, you know, sensible, and he's a communicator, and he can talk his way out of trouble. And other times, he's windmilling his, windmilling his penis on top of a building. And is the can he not be like a wizard crossed with a rogue? I don't know, you know. And then he could be, almost be like the wise wizard, but then at the same time, <laughs> he can be a little imp <laughs> running around yeah. in the night. I like the idea that it's at night that he switches. Like in the day, he's like a. You know, he's he's like a wizard with a staff. Like he's like the outcast from the wizard family. He's like he's Gandalf the Green. He's just he didn't quite make the cut. <laughs> he's just too much of a wild card. Yeah. He's got he's got all the formal training, and he is technically acknowledged as a wizard, but he is also on the sex offenders register. I think that's him. I think that's Chris. Lovely, we nailed it. <laughs> Chris, okay. write a comment in the comment section down below. Let us know what you think of that. Also, let us know in the comments down below if you agree with Sean, if you think those are the classes that we would have, or if you agree with Jamie and I, um, are those the classes we would have? Or what do you think we would be? That would be fun. <laughs> there we go. Let's see what people sure. say. Okay, let's get on to the, the meaty part of the podcast, because uh, if you didn't know, um, a few days ago, it was opening night live uh, coming from Gamescom um, in, was it Munich? I can't even remember. Cologne. Come on, Jonesy. Cologne. We've been oh, there, you and I. No, I know. I've, I've also been to Munich and I've been to Hamburg and I've been to Cologne. I was trying to remember which one. Oh, la da Look at me, Mr. <laughs> Just call me Mr. Germany. Mr. Germany. Yeah, don't. Please don't call me that. Um, and Jeff kicked it off. Um, it was a... It was a good show. I thought it was pretty decent. And um, we saw a lot of games that we've seen before, which was to be expected, but there were also some new trailers. There was some uh, new footage from games we'd already known about. There were, you know, uh, there were some unfortunate leaks before the show, so we knew things that were going to pop up. And they did. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but I mean, but Jamie and I were both saying at the time that Jeff was probably fuming. Uh, that his, yes. His, some oh. of his little secrets got out. It's like without kind of like uh, jumping too far ahead into the conversation, uh, a leak is a bummer regardless of how and when it happens. But within the context of a show like this or a showcase like this coming up, you always worry about or at least wonder how was this planning on fitting into the show and how big a deal was this. I, I'm always reminded of when Assassin's Creed Odyssey leaked before Ubisoft's press conference in 2018. I think it was like. Like like a weird like toy helmet or something like that. Basically, it leaked and the secret was out, and you were like, "God, I really hope this wasn't their one more thing kind of big reveal at the end." And it totally was. Yes, and you called it this time as well. Jamie said, "I hope that's not the one more thing." And it was, that was about twenty minutes before it was, and it was. But we will get onto that later. We're not going to do the same thing that the leakers did and spoil it for you, just in case you haven't heard yet what the one more thing is. Um, so you know, it'd be a nice little treat at the, at the uh, end of the 
opening night live wrap up. Um, okay, so I'm quickly going to go through some of the games that we have already talked about multiple times before um, because we only got to see a little bit more game footage, a little bit more uh, cinematics from them. So we're not going to linger too long. So we got new uh, trailers for the Callista Protocol, which showed some more gameplay, um, some cool shots of you sliding down a slide and more dying, which that game seems like it's going to do to you a lot. Uh, some more Hogwarts legacy footage from the uh, the game. I think this time, if I remember rightly, it was uh, leaning toward a bit of story stuff and about how you can use those evil Cruciatus yeah. curses to um, do away with your enemies. Uh, but obviously a little bit of a, um, uh, a, a sore spot because we should be playing um, Hogwarts legacy not too soon. And unfortunately, we're not going to because it's been pushed, but whatever. I'm, I'm not bitter. Can you tell no, me? No, not at all. Clearly not. Uh, Sonic Frontiers popped up with a new trailer as well, which was, do you know what? This hurt me a little bit because when they announced the trailer and said Sonic Frontiers, the crowd noticeably just like, hey, because I mean, obviously yeah. it's been a bit lackluster in the, the response to what we've seen already for that. Um, we then got to see another trailer for Goat Simulator 3, uh, Return to Monkey Island, Genshin Impact, and Warhammer 40,000 Dark Tide, which looks wicked. And I still can't wait to play, um, which is also coming to Game Pass. So I'm yes. going to play that the day it comes out because it's oh, yeah. sick. But Jamie, let's get a little bit more into um, a few of the trailers that we saw that we hadn't seen before um, or just ones we want to talk about. And the first one is um, Everywhere, which comes from Leslie Benzie's new uh, company um, called... Build a Rocket Boy. Build a Rocket Boy. Thank you. I completely forgot. Um, this is something that's been talked about for a while. Like We've known the name of the game for a while, but we haven't actually seen anything. and. I thought it was pretty tasty looking. What it, think? It's certainly interesting, right? Like when Leslie Benzies has a very big, very public falling out with Rockstar and all of a sudden one of the key figures behind the successes of, say, the Grand Theft Auto franchise goes on to make something else and confirms it's a big open world style project and calls it everywhere. It's very hard not to let your mind wander and race away with all kinds of things um, that could be and that could mean I'll be honest, I didn't really expect it to be this, which for anyone that hasn't seen it, um, it showed of a range of different environments and a range of different activities happening in those environments from you know platforming sections to third-person shooting sections to racing sh- sections, all with an art style that was a little bit reminiscent of, say, Fortnite, but with maybe a slightly different edge to it, not quite as sort of like cartoony, and of course it doesn't have any of the licenses or IPs that kind of you know colour Fortnite nowadays. Um, but it was still that feeling of, oh, they're making an open-ended game that looks like anything could play out in it. Um, and the vibe I got, before they kind of turned it on its head a little bit at the very end of the trailer, the vibe I got was was they're making a Fortnite-y, Roblox-y, metaverse kind of thing that is like Fortnite without the Battle Royale. Like, hey, here's fu- fundamentally, here's a thing that you can download that has, you know a game within it that has shooting mechanics and driving mechanics, all these characters and a world and all these different environments. And you can create things that happen within it, but also here are all these other wild experiences. And like I said, just then they teased something at the end of the trailer that appeared to be a very cinematic departure from everything else we'd seen thus far um, with a dude who I'm pretty sure it looks identical to the protagonist from mafia three. And I haven't seen anyone else talking about that, and I don't know why. I don't know if I'm just going crazy or if it's like the, just the same dude as lent his likeness to both games. But 
yeah, it kind of the trailer twists at the end, didn't it? And kind of had this very cinematic, complete different art style, which kind of yeah. gave the gave the Almost impression like of real, photo realistic versus exactly sort of much more stylized, cartoony look, like you were saying with the the Fortnite style. Yes, yeah. and immediately I think when we were talking about it at the time, it made me think of like Ready Player One. Um, mm-hmm. It made me gave me that vibe. Like, are they creating or they are they trying to create like a a hub world? in which like you were saying that you can do a, like almost like anything else inside that world and how that's actually going to play out because it's supposed to be coming out at some point in 2023, which isn't that long away. I mean, they, they must've been working on this for a couple of years at this point. Um, yeah. So I suppose, you know, that doesn't seem that crazy. Um, but there are some uh, things that have raised a few eyebrows uh, like the inclusion of NFT, NFTs and crypto. Um, and because there have been some job postings relating to that specifically, uh, but Build a Rocket Boy have said that those things are merely research positions, and that's not to suggest that the game is going to be trying to sap all of your uh, money out of you more metaverse style, as <laughs> um, you know you might expect. But I mean, it's hard to imagine that it won't, in some respect, have paywalls to unlock certain new content, especially if it's an all-encompassing world. You could absolutely imagine how it's like pay a bit more for the DLC to unlock the racetrack section, pay a bit more for the DLC to unlock oh, this section. Yeah, there'll, there'll be cosmetics. You know, galore. Um. Oh, well, I don't even think it's cosmetics. I think if, if they're making a game called Everywhere, I can imagine that at some point there's a new... Nah. Oh, well, maybe not. Maybe not. I was going to say there's you a new... But you don't... In 2022, 2023, you don't paywall content. No, I, but I'm thinking content comes out in 2025 for the get for you know as dlc where they say oh we've created a new module which allows you to go and do yeah, downhill you know, you know. skiing um i don't well maybe think, maybe about, think about roblox think about fortnite think about gta online which has been around for nine yeah, years fair, now fair. You, the, the content is never thing that's paywalled the content is the thing that gets people back in who have fallen off it's well, like hey roblox is roblox is paywalled i would to be fair i've never i've never played but yeah roblox. roblox is like games within a thing that you have to pay for so uh, okay I, I, I could the, the vibe I was getting from this is like this is a thing that you can download that when you go in you have some like your own ca- character and you can go between these different environments and there will be like a racing mode over here and a team deathmatch thing over here and a battle royale thing over here a la Fortnite but there's also a weird thing where like oh a game within everywhere just dropped like let's say the game like right. uh, the Jonesy trials just dropped and within everywhere you and maybe your friends go out, go over and play the Josie trials either on your own or as a group. And the Josie trials can be something completely different in the same yes. way that like Fortnite has experimented with. Now you're at an Ariana Grande uh, concert and now you're watching the Tenet trailer or whatever, whatever the Christopher Nolan thing was where they just watched a movie in Fortnite. Yes. Like they, I think they want that. So that, and I, I love the sound of that. I really do like the sound of that. It's, it's sound, but it's one of these things whereby it almost takes me back to you know um, Star Citizen and, and and games like that. Where mm. are they promising too much? And it makes me think like well. that is such a big ask. How is it going to look anything like reality? I mean, I can't. We can't mention this without talking about the. Um, uh, is it is it Meta Worlds that Mark Zuckerberg sort of uh, oh, posted right, yeah. some pictures from this week? And it was supposed to be you know one of the first ways to get into like the metaverse and it just looked like trash. Someone someone even mocked up a thing which was like um, Sim Baby or something like that. Sim Baby's Big World or something and said it's like a game from uh, like 2005 because it just yeah. looks so shit. They're hopefully already... Leslie Benzies. Oh, sorry. Sorry, go I'd say hopefully Leslie Benzies won't have the same problem and uh, and it actually looks pretty decent. And it does look pretty decent. It's, it's, it's interesting, nothing else. The, when, it, when he popped up and I saw the name tag come on screen, I was like, oh shit, okay, this is actually 
like a very intriguing way to open a show like this, and I want to see more of what this is because Leslie yeah, Benzies is an interesting character. He is, and not too long to wait if it's twenty twenty three. You know, so it's not too not too long at all. Um, then um, okay, so June Awakening, um, which was uh, hinted at by the Snitch not too long ago, um, was shown off, which is an open world survival MMO in the uh, in the works. Um, I am not that big into like the June world in general. Is that something? Have you seen the film? Have you read the books? No, to both. I haven't seen either film. Um, I have not read the books. Um, so I, I've got to acknowledge that I am neither a June guy nor, traditionally speaking, an open world survival MMO guy. So this um, doesn't really do much for me on either front. But I gather that it is still, you know, a kind of it's a, massive as an IP. It's yeah. huge. June's um, massive, so and, and MMOs are big, yeah. as it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> It looks Outside like a cool world as well. I like the idea of like giant sandworms and you know sci-fi and and capes and blah 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 blah. It does sound cool. Totally, um, it's one of those where I think we're gonna have to just wait and see what the actual game itself uh, looks like because it could look like something amazing. It could look like something. Yeah, you know, I tell you, really that if Sting comes back for this one, I'll play it. <laughs> have you, I see. I want to see the new film. I didn't see the original, but I do want to see the new one just because I've heard people say it was really good. But it wasn't it super long. As well, like um, I think it's one of those things where not only is it quite long, but I think also it's half of the story. Um, oh right! And the second film uh, is—I I can't remember if it's filming or if it's got the green light to start filming or kind of where it's at. But I, I've got a feeling I wouldn't be surprised if there were opportunities to see the what will soon be referred to as the first part of June on the big screen again. Um, as the second part is about to come out, which maybe that makes for a nice sort of double bill if it's not too long. That oh. might end up being like five hours, six hours of film, but, you know. It would have been good had Cineworld not potentially been going bankrupt before it comes out. We'll have to see. We'll have to <laughs> see what happens with that. Um, <laughs> we also got to see the uh, Sony um, new DualSense Edge controller, which we'd heard about. Um, uh, I don't know if it was leaks or whether it was just them releasing information, but the Sony Pro controller, I think it was called um, when it was leaked. But yeah, the DualSense Edge has got a customizable um a lot of customizable features it allows you to change the resistance of the trigger buttons you can change the joysticks and things which is um very nice to hear because i've had a bit of problem with drift on my playstation 5 controllers Mm. um, at some point so that's a nice little thing to be able to have um it was a bit of a lackluster thing to put into game open night live i thought at gamescom but yeah i mean playstation aren't at gamescom officially so i wonder if that was just their little kind of yeah we'll we'll throw jeff yeah, because Jeff literally said, oh, we've got some exciting uh, announcement from Sony. And it's like, this is not an exciting announcement. This is kind of like, hey, I, controller I, thought, okay, I thought it was well. a good get. Like, I don't think Sony has ever officially done their own version of what Xbox have done with the Elite controller. I remember on the PS4, they allowed certain other companies, I think like you know, third-party companies, to make essentially licensed versions of um, pro controllers or would-be pro controllers but this is the first time done it themselves and to do it so early on in the life cycle of the DualSense I'm, I'm definitely down for this I want some back paddle action in my life I'm going to be a pro Fortnite player just you watch oh yeah okay I will uh, no, I'll keep my eyes open for I'll that. take that back I'm going to be a pro everywhere player that's the big new money maker oh pro everywhere yeah well, can, you, can you even be pro in everywhere we don't even know what it is yet it's too everywhere we have no idea it, you're right uh, Hexwork Studios uh, showed off some um, Lords of the Fallen, which is the sequel to Lords of the Fallen, um, but they've now dropped the two, so now it's Lords of the Fallen. 
and you, you, you really yeah. need to pronounce the the, the in sorry, the Lords the, of the Fallen. The Other, Lords of otherwise, the Fallen. it is literally the exact same name. <laughs> the, as the Lords of the Fallen is now the sequel to Lords of the Fallen, but it's no longer called Lords of the Fallen 2. So it's called Lords of the Fallen. It's the dumbest shit imaginable, but whatever, yeah. I, I think they get away with that. Like, it's so many people these days do stupid things with naming, and they just, yeah, but, just but, call but, it the same thing. Saints Row is just called Saints Row. Yeah, but the, come on, that was a reboot that came out nine years after the, the last game. This Fair is enough. this is just them making a sequel saying actually we don't want to put a two. We we're worried that the original game has so little cachet and so little, you know, holds so little place in the knowledge and the memory of gamers that we're just gonna drop the two to because uh, we were thinking about actually put them off and call it the Lords of the Fallen. Which, you know, they're probably right. But there you go. Um this I don't remember much about this game. It was very rocky. Uh, had a lot of um, uh, music in it, which was nice, but I don't know. Apart from that, I don't really know anything about it. I look, Lords, of the, Lords of the Fallen, so Hexwork Studios didn't make the original Lords of the Fallen. That was made by Deck 13, who will come up again later. The, Deck 13 made Lords of the Fallen and then went on to make The Surge and The Surge 2. Hexwork Studios have taken over development of this uh, sequel, um, so expect it to be... Um, a Soulsborne-inspired game as the original was, although if this trailer's anything to go by, I'd imagine there's going to be a little bit, more than a little bit of Elden Ring-style flavouring scattered on top, but we'll see. Uh, and then... Oh, I've lost where I was. Uh, Team 17 are now publishing Moving Out 2, which is due out in 2023. Um, we then got a new little taste a taste of New Tales from the Borderlands, which is actually being made by Gearbox, I believe. It's not being made by Telltale, because they obviously Telltale made Tales from the Borderlands. Um, which, I'd say, is this going to be a full-on Tales from the Borderlands like narrative game? Do you know? Is, I, is I, I, be, yeah, I believe it's just a honest-to-goodness attempt to make another Tales from the Borderlands. Um, I don't think it's a sequel. I don't think there are any uh, characters that are crossing over. I'd imagine there's characters from the wider Borderlands universe, but yeah, as you said, this is Gearbox kind of taking over from Telltale and probably fucking it up. <laughs> Maybe. Well, Randy was there to uh, introduce it at least, so you know that must mean that they're they're into it. They like it, um, and it's coming no, out in October, so we don't have to wait long at all. That's just that's just a clause that Gearbox put into everything is that you can only announce our games if Randy gets some stage time. That's the, that's the only reason they're making it, is so that Randy yeah. can go be oh, a games Oh, it was even worse when they were doing Borderlands 3. Then you could only uh, get the Borderlands 3 announcement if you let Randy on stage and you let him do a magic trick. Um, <laughs> luckily, they took that second clause out for new tales of the Borderlands, but who knows? He's used his, he's used his one magic trick. Yes, exactly. So they did, he didn't have any more to show. His one magic um, trick is that Gearbox is still in business. <laughs> no, wow, that's, that's wow. harsh. That's harsh. That's mean. Yeah. They're doing all right. Don't they're doing fine. Uh someone else who's still in business is Techland. Uh, and they were at Gamescom to show off um Bloody Ties, which is the Dying Light 2 DLC, which is coming out in October. Not a bad game, but I still haven't finished it yet. I need to get yes. back into that. And just many things to play. Talking about uh, you know how you know we're gonna have to keep an eye on what Volition do with Saints Row. I will just say that Techland continue to do uh, uh, an exceedingly above average job of patching Dying Light 2, not just to kind of like, you know, soften some technical rough edges and so on and so forth, but they've now got to the point where they're doing what they're calling, I think, community updates, which is they're basically just taking everything the community say they want and putting that in the game, including now, apparently there was a subsection of Dying Light 2 fans who really wanted that game to look at, to look like more what it looked like in E3 2019, when apparently it had a slightly grungier, kind of grittier art style. 
So they've just right. put that in the game now, where there's an option where you can toggle like a gritty mode that makes it look more like it did in 2019. So there you go. Gritty. Oh, interesting. I, yeah. I won't be turning that on. So there you go. <laughs> oh, that's um, harsh. Not even with bloody ties, the new DLC. What, what, I don't know why I'd want it to look more gritty. It was plenty It was plenty gritty from what I've seen so far. You know, it's a dirty know. post-apocalyptic, post-zombie world. But People are weird, Jonesy. Um, there we go. Um, there's a new pirate game coming, a tactical pirate game called Tortuga. Uh, I've only ever heard of Tortuga because if you watch Pirates of the Caribbean, that's a place they go to. So, yeah, Tortuga. Uh, Team 17, we're back to show off uh, Marauders, um, a Tarkov-looking uh, first-person shooter. Um, and then we get on to uh, Bungie, um, who showed off Lightfall. Which, yes, um, is the new Destiny which expansion. Is the, I am so far behind with the Destiny expansions, I must admit. Okay. I have no idea where I'm at, where they're at, where we're at, what's been going on. Well, what, come on, Jamie, help me out. Well, okay. Uh, so, that, yeah, there was a stream, an entire stream devoted to everything that Destiny 2 has got going on. So uh, I think people should go and watch that to get fully up to speed. But the bottom line that I can give you is that Destiny 2 seems to be doing very well. Uh, it keeps adding millions of players. Um, the current uh, season or the upcoming season, I don't even know if it started, is called the season of plunder i think everything seems to be going smoothly um there are destiny skins in like fortnite and fall guys right now which is kind of crazy i didn't think either of those crossovers would ever happen destiny 2 is also now on uh, the epic game store um and i think right. I want, i'm right in saying if you go and pick it up on the epic game store like loads of the expansions and loads of the content are free so if anyone just wants okay. to jump in like right now having not played the game for a couple of years Epic Game Store might actually be a good cost-effective way of doing that because I'm not sure if that shit is free anywhere else. Um, and yes, uh, Lightfall, which uh, you mentioned, is the new expansion, new paid expansion. So they're still doing a thing where every year there's a new big hit of paid shit with a new campaign and a bunch of other changes and a new yearly update. And then they do seasons to support it after that. And it's set. It's actually kind of interesting because. It's set in like a, you know how most of Destiny is like desolate and it's been destroyed and, you know, laid waste to time and everything's kind of like crumbling and falling in on itself. Yeah. They were like, what if there was a city that for some reason just wasn't? And so they've called, it's called like, I can't remember what the name of the um, the city is or which planet it's on, but it's like, oh, it was a city that actually like never got damaged and never collapsed in itself and just continued thriving and expanding and growing and advancing uh, because it was hidden. And so you look at it and it's like some like really cool, like futuristic neon-y, almost like future eighties style city in a way that like, I don't think we've ever seen an environment like that in destiny before. That's really interesting. There's a new uh, uh, kind of, I forget what the name of the, I don't think it's just class, not, not not a new class, a new kind of, the powers that the classes can use to infuse their abilities. I think there's a new one of those. Um, I think it's called Strand or something like that. Bottom line is it's green and uh, it, you can use it as like a grappling hook, but rather than grappling right. to like certain points and like it can grapple to any point in space and time because you're literally fucking with the strands of space and time. Uh, so okay. it just like pulls like, you like attach like thin air and pull yourself forward. It's kind of cool the way the effect uh, pays off. Um, and yeah, there's a bunch of other uh, big updates uh, coming for next year. I think it's like the year six update, which are designed to help new players. So there's going to be a new and kind of far more, far more thorough 
looking for a group uh, style kind of mechanic in the game where it can match you with other players depending on kind of what kind of fits your needs for your party and your fire team and what kind of content you're looking to do and they're also looking to dramatically streamline and restructure the way in which people the the route in which people are given a sort of a path forward in destiny so if you just jumped in blind and you were faced with all this content you didn't know what to do and what to prioritize they're trying to find ways of like how can we we create like checklists and a structure around that so people always feel like they have something to do and they know what they've got to do next and they know what the logical next step is so just that is, that is me with destiny too it was like play the play the campaign finish the campaign that was good what do you do now? I don't know. I guess I'll go play something else. Whereas they're like, yeah. obviously it's like, no, come play these thousand other downloadable contents. Like these races, exactly. Da, 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 da. And I just never got on with any of that stuff and just never jumped into any of it. It seems like that's what they're trying to work around. Now that millions more people a year are trying Destiny and it is still free, it seems like they really want people to not just jump on and play a campaign, but also be like, here's what I'm going to do when I play this game every day for like the next five years. Yes. Which is ice great. That's that. That's what I want to hear because I'm definitely one of those dumbasses who just kind of just look at. There's almost like stifled by how much content there is around some games, especially when they're a service, and you kind of say, "Okay, where did I jump? Where did I leave off?" And then you try and get back into it after like a year or eighteen months or something like that, and it's almost unrecognizable. You think, yeah. "Wow, this has gone far." You know, and now yeah. what? And everyone in the game seems to know exactly what's going on, exactly what they're doing, and you just go, "Maybe I'll just go play something else." Maybe I'll go play Cult of Loud. We need we Maybe. need to create like a group of like a group of people, the people, a group of people who all collectively agree that they don't know anything about the game they want to play, <laughs> and then they all start playing at the same time. That it's like would, a self help yeah, group be for beginners. <laughs> yeah, self help group for gamers to all get into the game and play together. Um, <laughs> I tell you, we could do instead of playing that though, you could play Under the Waves, which is a, <laughs> uh, a game developed by Parallel Studio. Um, published by Quantic Dream, which kind of looked a bit eerie. A bit, um, it reminded me a little bit of um, uh, what was the, the trailers that we saw for uh, Death Stranding, where it was like the whales and stuff, and oh. the water and everything going weird. Cross sure. with maybe a bit of um, Alan Wake, <laughs> like that sort of spooky, you know, darkness going on. But it looked interesting. We didn't really see much. It was just a bit of a cinematic trailer. Um, but hey, that looks interesting. Something else, Jamie, that looked pretty interesting was Moonbreaker. Yeah, not my cup of tea, but it definitely looks interesting. They've gone, so it's a, I think they're calling it a digital miniatures game. And yeah, that seems accurate because the one thing that struck me when I was watching it was Warhammer. Like, what if you were playing a tactical game where actual physical statuettes were present on the grid? Um, And what if they went one step further and you could actually paint them yourselves, which is, I think, a really nice touch. And if you're going to go digital miniatures, then why not go the whole hog, right? I, do you know what's funny? Like, I, I remember painting miniatures when I was a kid, like, you know, painting some of them. And then I sort of did a few more when I was a bit older because um, I played a bit of Zombicide and like, painted some of those. Um, but this, so this is from the developers of Subnautica. Obviously, it's a completely different style of game. They've gone in a completely different direction. They've worked with an author called uh, Brandon Sanderson, who's, I recognize some of the books that he um, he's written or he's worked on. Um, I haven't read any of them, but my wife's big into like fantasy stuff and I know mm. she's read some of them. Uh, but yeah, this was um, sort of an interesting, uh, it's supposed to be a cross between, um, uh, what was the name of the game? Half Hearthstone and XCOM is what they said. It's like a right, weird yes. like turn-based tactical sort of battle chess looking thing where the statues themselves, the miniatures don't move, but you can move them around the board, but then there are animations around that. So there are explosions and things fall over and people get, you know, things thrown at them and all sorts of stuff happens. 
it, I thought it looked like a really cool concept for a game. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there who really get into it. I'm not sure how how the staying power um, will fare uh, and what the actual longevity of the game, you know, what, what it will have. But hey, we will see. Um, yeah. It was kind of, it was, yeah. It was kind of one of those. It's one yeah. that I definitely, I so want to play. I so oh. want to get and play and then I know I'll put it down after two hours and be like, I'm never playing that again. Yeah, like, and uh, don't get me wrong, I like elements of both Hearthstone and XCOM, but I'm also just, I'm not I'm not being negative about Moonbreaker whatsoever. It's just one of those things where I kind of look at all the disparate elements that have come together to make something like that. And I'm like, this probably isn't the kind of thing that I go in for. It's the kind of thing I might try in a free-to-play capacity, but um, but it's just, it's not quite my genre enough to like just come dive on, game in pass. blind. It's a perfect yeah, Game Pass you, game. You, you, game. You never pass. know, you never know. Right. Um, friends versus friends um, was another one of these uh, build your deck first person shooter. Um, you know, build your card deck with your different things, attributes, buffs, <laughs> whatever you want to use. I can't even remember what they're called. Um, Cards. And then you can use your uh, abilities. There you go. Use your abilities to fight your friends, um, like a multiplayer first person shooter, which looks fine. It really reminded me of the what was the other one that recently came out that was just the cards and you didn't even have guns. Oh, neon white. white. Neon white. Thank you. I put the cards away, game developers. It's too literal. Like, <laughs> See, it's I, too literal. I think neon white's way of going about it was actually kind of cool. The more I looked at that game and the more gameplay I watched, the more I was like, actually, I kind of respect what neon white is doing with... Because it's not a At deck least they builder. just went for it. Yeah. At least they went... They both feet jumped in. Well, I don't understand why games like Friends vs. Friends need to, like, keep one foot out and go, okay, well, you've still got a gun and everything. But look, you've got your deck of cards with your abilities on at the side. I'm like... Then just put the cards away. Yeah, but nerds like cards. Ever since Magic the Gathering, Chris could vouch for that if he was here. Nerds like nerds, cards. Though. It's different nerds. Card not nerds. All nerds are created equal. So not all not all car, not all nerds like cards, but all card games are for nerds. <laughs> okay. Especially now that they keep putting them into bloody video games. So Yeah, we don't have no choice. It, it, it's death by cards at this rate. I can't wait till Rockstar reveal more about GTA 6 and it's got massive deck building elements. <laughs> oh, don't. I'm not touching it. I'm steering clear of any games with cards. Um, then, after Friends vs. Friends, we actually got to see um, a game which I predict is going to be Chris's game of the year 2023, Ooh. which is um, uh, Lies of P, which is a Soulsborne game um, where you play as Pinocchio trying to become a real boy. And having to fight big, nasty people and bosses and stuff that are trying to stop you, you know, realizing your dream. But he did have a cool ass robot hand, which I mean, I don't know where Pinocchio is getting his robot hand from. Um, that seemed to give him different abilities like super strength. And, you know, uh, he was cracking safes open. And he was like zip lining and, and beating the shit out of people with it. And he was firing shotguns and weapons and all sorts as well. So this yeah. actually looks pretty, pretty cool. Um, it's a very strange use of the IP. But I, but I totally dig it. Like, yeah, in a way, I know what you mean. I, I, there's, there's something about this idea, the idea of like a, a, a hardcore Soulsborne, like bizarre interpretation of a classic tale like Pinocchio that I am all here for. Like, I just that's, that's the right kind of weird for me. And in fact, the only thing I could I could say about this game that's remotely negative is actually a sentiment that I shared with you at the time when we were watching Opening Night Live, which is that it's depressing watching gameplay of a game that looks so cool, but you immediately know that you're going to be arse at it, and I'm going to be <laughs> tragically bad at Liza P. But that, but it still looks really 
really cool. And also just it's quite a nice fit. Like when you think about the idea behind Pinocchio and how it's got this kind of these inherent sort of like mechanical, almost clockworky, uh, steampunky potentially elements that I can see how you can expand on the either explicit or just the hint of that world around a character like Pinocchio um, and and extrapolate from that into a, a, a whole game's worth of ideas and content. And then when you get like interesting representations of like, this is Geppetto in this game, this is Jiminy Cricket in this game, I'm like, this is kind of gnarly. Get, did you catch Jiminy? So when he, he has yeah, he's the, in a the lamp lantern. on his side. Yeah, yeah lantern, on- thank you. Yeah, and he's it's all lit up and I was like, there's Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, exactly. Away. You hear him uh, talking, you get a little bit of Jiminy dialogue. Um, you do. You yeah, like, the, what, what, a, what a funky idea and... And I know we just talked about it with regards to Moonbreaker, but this one is we know is a day one game pass, so it's going to be like a completely, you know, risk free, no barrier to entry. Give it a go and see what you think, kind of. And I, I, yeah, hell yeah, let's do it. Gu- guaranteed, there is a, uh, a cut scene in this where you're you're about to die, and they're the big this massive boss also is holding you like this, and he's going like, "What do you say, Pinocchio, before you die?" And then he says something like. I'm not afraid of you. And then his nose just shoots off and goes straight through the guy's eye and like goes through the back of his head. Nice. And kills him. Smart. Also, you, and just then when you were t- t- like relaying that story, and I was thinking about the real Pinocchio and or at least the film Pinocchio, the animated cartoon, um, and where that goes. Doesn't Pinocchio, like, see, I get some of this stuff mixed up with Dumbo, but doesn't Pinocchio get really fucked up at the end where like they're turning boys into goats or something like that? Like they're like stealing boys and people are turning into goats and they're all screaming. I get it mixed up because Dumbo is like Dumbo. Dumbo gets drunk and has like goes on a weird hallucinatory trip and it's all like the weird bubbly pink elephants and stuff like that. But Pinocchio, I think, is the one where like, yeah, like his mate is a regular boy and he gets like turned into a goat or something. Yeah, gets kind of fucked up. It's been too um, long since I've uh, since I've seen it. I've got no idea. Me too. Well, seen it since I was like five years old or something. I've got good news for you, Jonesy, because as well as getting a video game based on Pinocchio, there are about like three, four, seven different films based on Pinocchio all coming out in the space of like the next two years. That's so weird. Why? That's odd the way that happens. But yeah, oh, there you go. You see, you can play Pinocchio or you can watch Pinocchio in some form or another. Um, so they've obviously decided that it's time for it's time for Pinocchio. You might tell you what you probably I'll tell you what you probably found is that the um, the what's it called the copyright is probably up on Pinocchio because it's so old and so Maybe. everyone is now using it. Hey, um, another game. Uh, let's talk about another game. Um, Atlas Atlas Fallen is due out in twenty twenty three. Comes from Deck Thirteen, uh, the people who made the Surge. Um, this to me, I got Forspoken vibes from this. Yes, I, I know what you mean. Something about uh, like interesting traversal mechanics across a deserty, dusty environment that that screams for spoken. Um, but it, it's still cool. It's got some interesting sort of like art direction, um, and the the glimpses and glimmers we got of gameplay towards the end looked intriguing. I also just think that you know, I know we kind of had, poked a bit of fun at Lords of the Fallen earlier, but the Surge and the Surge Two were interesting games that had interesting spins on that kind of Soulsborne style formula. Um, and I'm curious to see where Deck 13 kind of take that next and how they can continue to carve out their own space within that genre. And I hope they do so. Yeah, um, and then we had uh, some Homeworld 3. Sorry, Can, can I interrupt you quickly? Uh, and of course. For the, did you see the 10 minutes of Forspoken gameplay that got put up yesterday? No, no, I did not. I'd, I'd recommend watching it because Forspoken looks like it's going to be a really weird game, but... 
We, well, so, we knew that, right? We knew that already. Yeah, we did know that, and we've been joking at its expense for a long time. But there, I, I, I've got to be careful what I say here. There is something about it in motion when everything kind of comes together, you know, the parkour and some of the more, you know, higher detailed environments and even some of the combat elements that I look at. And I'm like, there's a part of this that looks like it could be really fun. Um Cool. And, I, and, I, and I hope it is. And I, I, was, yeah, I, will, I will also say I was I was watching it immediately after, like, basically rage quitting Saints Row when it froze on me again. <laughs> and I was also and just looking at it was like, there's also levels to this where for as much as we take the piss out of Forspoken, it looks like, you know, on a technical level, it's aspiring and trying to do something far more interesting and far more unique and far more original than just about anything Saints Row is doing. And maybe that's why I cut it, you know, a bit more cloth, but... Uh, yeah, an interesting one. I recommend anyone who is unsure check out that just ten minutes of gameplay, um, kind of like an overview where they talk about you know how open world traversal works and how combat works. It's very interesting, but there were but it it's also uh, I will say as an asterisk, it's being dunked on at the moment because some of the environments, especially the kind of the city like structures and the kind of the places that you might go back to as something of a home base, uh, look kind of rough, and there are extended sort of like conversation scenes with NPCs whose faces do not move very much or emote very much at all while they're talking and it all looks a bit stilted and awkward um, but that might just be forespoken yeah it's, it's hard to know until you actually sort of get it in context and you play the actual game and exactly like how yeah. much of it that's actually where it sits and how it works um, we got a bit of a trailer for Homeworld 3 which has uh, been like 30 years in the making um, at this point so hopefully um well, and I, I can't remember what was. I don't remember when Homeworld Two was, but they're great games. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to those coming um, to Homeworld Three coming out. Um, it's been far too long. Uh, very cool space RTS that you get. You get to command just like legions of ships in your um, armada and blow the crap out of other people. So yeah, it's cool. Um, then we got a little bit of a taste of um, High on Life, which is the Justin Roiling game where you have. Um, I don't even know what they are. Slugs, slug aliens for guns and weapons and whatever. And there's a lot of Justin Roiland comedy going on in here. It it's is. very Justin Roiland, isn't it, Jamie? Yeah. And uh, you know what? I'd love to sit down, and I don't. I can't remember if either of you or Chris sort of fill this criteria, but I'd love to sit down with someone who's a big sort of Justin Roiland advocate and someone who has watched all the Rick and Morty there is to watch and show them this clip and ask whether... They are still on board with the Justin Roiland style of comedy and his writing and the voices he does and so on and so forth. I'm being very careful not to use any kind of leading or disparaging words at this stage. Um, and yeah, check if they're still on board or whether they are beginning to reach their tether with that kind of stuff or whether it is it is just consistently kind of like funny and entertaining for them. Because I, I think this is just one of those things where I'm slowly realizing that I'm in a relatively small group of people that from day one never really got into it i'm not I'm not a rick and morty guy it's not my sense of humor and there's something about that voice that he does in all of his it was the same with like trover saves the universe and all those other things like the voice he does and the kind of the awkward umming and ring kind of uh you know patter that goes with it um and in i thought the knife uh the australian knife that talks about like slicing him up and cutting off his arsehole and stuff like that was was funnier like, I, I get more of a kick out of that kind of thing. But at the same time, I was watching this clip thinking, do I want to play what looks like an average first-person shooter 
in the midst of a boss fight that looks like it's going on for way too long and also not changing or like switching things up nearly enough and at the same time all of my gear and all of my weapons all of my equipment are talking to me incessantly like do I re- do I really have the tolerance for that and I just I don't know if I do Jonesy it, uh, yeah <laughs> basically yeah um, there, was, there was a point at which I was watching the trailer and I I thought to myself Wow, they've shown an awfully long boss battle where not a lot is happening yep. except for this gun and this knife talking to you where, you, I mean, it's just taking forever. I'm like, they're, surely they're supposed to show you the most exciting parts of games and trailers and not make you sit through boring-ass boss battles that you're like, wow, this is too long. This should have been over a long time ago. Um, no, I'm totally with you. Like it, the, the gameplay that they showed there looked like mediocre at best and it looks like they're relying on the the patter and the script and stuff to really sell the game, which worries me a bit because I don't know how long I can take. Um, I don't know what we're going to do now. We're going to yeah. go over here and, and exactly. shoot this guy. And you're like, like that, that's funny for, I, I like Rick and Morty, but it's funny for half an hour. I don't know if I could sit through 12, 15, 20 hours of that. I really don't, especially if it's like you said, if it's, if it's just your stuff all talking to you incessantly and you getting like, I just want to do this. I just want to do that. I just want to play the game now. And you just want that stuff to shut up. Yeah. Because it's, and think how repetitive it's going to get as well. That's the thing. Like, there's nothing wrong with taking comedians who have a certain stuff. Like, last week we were talking about South Park and, um, you know, how much the South Park games worked and how much they, you know, did a good job at translating that show's comedy into games um, by a making sure the gameplay fundamentals were sound and it was still a very fun experience at its core, and b making sure that the translation of their show's comedy to the game's comedy was consistent in terms of like it's it, you know it's it's the vessels i.e. the characters are still the same and and um, a lot of the same fund- fundamentals are matched, but yeah, by by there's just something a bit obnoxious and a bit too on the nose about making that brand of comedy vessel be, in this case, your gun. Or you know, even if it's just different on a per-gun base, I don't even know what they're going to do or where they're going to take this. But there's something about that that's a bit too on the nose from a dude who I think whose who's sense of humour and whose comedy is a bit too kind of subjective as it is and a bit too divisive as it is. And, 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 and like you said, why not put your leading foot first? Why not show off the best or most exciting piece of gameplay you have? Like, why not have the gameplay fundamentals be as tight and as well-rounded as they can be and then put a layer of Justin Roiland over the top? I don't think... I'm not suggesting that High on Life has worked the other way around or been developed the other way around, but if it has, I think that's a slippery slope. Yes. No, I, I, I'm, I, the only thing I'm hoping is that they chose the bit they chose because they're hoping that people aren't going to buy it because even though it is a good game, they hope that there's a lot of Justin Roiland fans out there who are like, I'm just going to buy this just to hear him chat and bullshit for like 20 hours. I think that was summed up by Jeff. Like, do you remember when they were live? He goes, any Justin Roiland fans in the house? And there was no noise. He goes, Rick and Morty, and then there's a cheer. Like, Rick and Morty can be a a good show and Justin Roiland can be a divisive comedian. Those aren't like, you know, those aren't mutually exclusive ideas. I, um, I, at this point, I, yeah, I have to say at this point that Jeff Keighley kept asking the crowd, are you excited for this game? And I was just like, please stop saying it because he kept, he said it a few times. And I'm sure there are loads of people excited for all of the games that are coming out, but the, the audience were just like, for some reason, they just weren't feeling certain stuff and you were getting this like lackluster. Uh, quite, and it was like, just stop it. Just, you don't need to know if the audience are excited for it. Just, just if they cheer when you show off the footage, that's good. You don't need to try and like preempt it, but yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, well. Um, Jeff was just trying... Well, I'm being mean. Jeff was just trying to get the crowd involved. I'm it was sure. his first crowd in years. Did. He was trying to hype them up. He was. He And he was probably, like, uh, reveling in it because it's been so long. True. Um, and do you know something? Someone else that I'm not going to be too mean about, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, you know, try and Ooh. pick them up a bit. Telltale. Um, yeah. I've been less than kind to Telltale games over the years, and Telltale's The Expanse is due out in summer 2023. But I'm giving more love in my life now to Telltale and their... Um, scripted what do they even call them narrative scripted oh, narrative God. games or something i can't remember I narrative and, driven adventure games something yeah like that. something something like that but uh, tales from the expanse is a uh set in space um near an asteroid belt you play a um oh i don't even know if she's the captain you play a character um whilst there's a mutiny on a ship and your decisions will affect the crew and what is going to happen and it looked cool um yeah also this might have coloured my opinion of Telltale a little bit. Telltale are also working on a Star Trek um, game as well. So maybe that's why. Kind of oh, so wait, you're, you're planting the seed early enough that you're now proto-Telltale so that when the Star Trek game comes out, you haven't gone full turncoat and just swiveled on a dime. No, that's not what I'm doing at all. <laughs> okay, Chelsea. I look forward to hearing you play and love the Telltale's The Expanse in summer of 2023. Yes, I will be playing it the day one release. <laughs> um, killer clowns from outer space. That sounds terrifying, doesn't it? Um, as, a, as an idea for a video game, yes. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so this is a game which is based on the VHS cult classic uh, monster movie of the same name. Um, it's going to be a uh, 3v7 asymmetric multiplayer horror game um, from Terrorvision where you have uh, three people playing as killer clowns from space who are going to be hunting um, the other seven players who have to kill the shit out of them because clowns are evil, as we all know. This was very um, purgy, the trailer for this. Uh, you know, it starts off with a kid in a house and then a doorbell goes yeah. and then you answer the door and there's a crazy killer clown from space there about to eat your face. So I'm never going to play this. It already seems terrifying. I, do you know what, Josie? My hidden dark secret: I haven't played any of any of these horror multiplayer asymmetrical experiences thus far. I haven't played Friday the Thirteenth. I haven't played uh. Dead by Daylight. Um, I know there's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre game coming. I know there's now this coming. I, you know, I gather it must be a big deal and a big you know subgenre for for players and content creators alike. But it's just not one that's really you know. I played a bit of Friday the 13th. I thought that was a cool concept and I quite enjoyed it, but I didn't get that into it, if I'm being honest. I think they're, they're rough. It's rough. If you're not into it immediately, I think it's a rough genre to try and sort of get into. Yeah. And um, this one, it feels like, I mean, I don't want to disparage the good name of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, but this one has maybe a little bit more to do on the kind of the gameplay perspective because that, you know, that IP, that franchise won't do as much in terms of name recognition and like a Friday the 13th game kind of draws people in. A Texas Chainsaw Massacre game draws people in. Killer Clowns right. from Outer Space, like that's that's a leap. Like You've got to do some work there to draw people uh, to that title. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Especially um, young hey. gamers. <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 I mean, let's be honest. They're relying on the uh, scary clown idea just pushes people to it, aren't they? They're like, if you want to play something really scary, look, there are clowns. Clowns aren't that scary. So I don't know. I don't know if it'll work. Might work, might not work. Um, Scars Above is a sci-fi action-adventure game that sees um, a huge alien structure appear in the sky over Earth, and then all hell breaks loose. Um, It looks very Returnal. Yeah, that was the vibe I got to in terms of (coughs) 
there's alien shit going on. There's weird, like, things appearing in the sky and obelisks and things are getting all fucked up very quickly and you might need to run around with a big gun to stop them doing so. Um, that's the vibe I got. <laughs> Scars above. Scars above. And the worst pun in gaming. Scar- Scars above. Yeah, that's just what, what is the pun there? Scars above. It's like stars above, isn't it? Oh, stars above. I didn't even get that. I assumed, I, th- I thought, oh, scars above, stars above. Star- oh, scars yeah. above just sounds like something your grandmother says when she's frustrated. Oh, scars above. Scars above. Um, so I can tell you why it's, why it's actually called scars above. It's because the sentient contact assessment and response team, scars, uh, consisting of scientists and engineers, are sent to investigate the metahedron, which is the large alien structure which lands, or lands which flies above the Earth. Um, and that's why it's called Scars Above, because they are scars and mm. they're above you in the metahedron. See, that's so. one of those ones where they've just thought that Scars sounds cool and they've made it stand for something, not the other way around. <laughs> that's I, absolutely. I, pre- I prefer companies like uh, Bungie, who have the balls to make it ha- have something that sounds cool when elongated and it doesn't matter if it makes a word when it's shortened like ODST okay Orbit- yeah. do you know what Jonesy orbital drop orbital drop shock troopers the coolest fucking sequence of words of all time does it make an actual word when you shorten it down to its acronym no it doesn't do they care <laughs> no they don't ODST they did, they did it anyway ODST yeah <laughs> we're gonna do it anyway um, we are going to be treated to something called Word Song. Weird Song? I don't even know how you pronounce it. It's spelled strange. Um, which we didn't get to see much of, Jamie, but it is from some veterans of the gaming industry. Yeah, developers uh, of titles such as Fallout, Fallout 2, Fallout 3, Fallout 4, Fallout New Vegas, The Elder Scrolls, The Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion, The Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind, The Elder Scrolls 5 Skyrim, um, The Outer Worlds. <laughs> Basically, they, they put it this way: this trader really wanted you to know that people that made RPGs at Obsidian and Bethesda are working on Word Song, which is kind of weird because you'd think that they would put in some other titles from other people that are in the team as well, because they don't want you to just assume that you know exactly what this game is going to be like. Because if yeah. you read that list, you're like, "Oh yeah, I got it." Yeah. Exactly. Whereas you almost you want something else to be introduced into that. You kind of want to be have a little bit of oh oh, I wonder what this is going to be. Yeah. Not, There's oh, also. Like nothing against any of these guys, and I'm sure they are all you know very talented in their own right. But there's like we've seen so many studios and games promoted off the back of from from a veteran team of developers who have worked on titles such as this, this. And it's just like, well, what did they do, and for how long? Like <laughs> that's such a good question. What did they do from the veteran who did six months of QA on GTA Five? <laughs> like. Okay, I I think that in films when they go like from the producers of this movie, and you're like, you hope okay, well, okay, but like, or the executive producers, okay, so they put the money in. Like, that doesn't mean they're good at making films. It means that they yeah. hired the right people. Am I supposed to now be patting middle management on the back because they could they hire people well? Like, really? From the third assistant director of the yeah. second Transformers. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah, would that? Well, that's a weird one. Would that put you off because it's Transformers, or would you be like that dude had nothing to do with it? Therefore, this actually might be a good thing. Mm, see, that's the question. It's always a good question. It's always a good question. Um, Gotham Knights did something pretty amazing, Jamie, which yeah. is it put together a good trailer or it put out a good trailer, I should say, that made me think, oh damn, maybe Gotham Knights is actually going to be good after all. And the way they did it is by just showing cinematics and not showing any gameplay. Because uh, I don't want to be mean to Gotham Knights. I'm sure it's going to be fine, but I don't think they've had a very good um, 
showing when it comes to the gameplay trailer they've put out. I think they've had maybe an honest showing and they've shown you what you're going to be doing, you know, in fight to fight in this game. But maybe what was missing from some of those gameplay trailers where they really they released, you know, uh, Robin, Red Hood, they released some decent length gameplay stuff, was they were missing the story elements around why you're fighting the people you're fighting. And so what they've tried to do in this trailer here with um, Opening Night Live is they've shown off some other villains who are going to be showing up in the game. You know, we've already seen um, Mr. Freeze, uh, but this showed off a bit more of Harley Quinn and also Clayface. Um, so... I think it's actually doing some of the heavy lifting that needs to be done before Gotham Knights release in October because they need to show off why you're going to be doing or why you're going to be playing this game, why you're going to be returning to the Belfry. And I think this trailer yeah. was pretty good at, um, you know, showing a bit more of that. It, you're right. I, maybe it was a cheeky move in some respects, but at the same time, like, they had a platform to show a, a trailer and they showed off a good trailer. Um I even thought like there was a point in the trailer very early on where a chair spins round and it's Harley Quinn and I, and I almost had like a sigh, here we go again kind of feeling. And actually, it didn't really bother me. Like it, it seems like a like a interesting enough and fine enough um, version of Harley Quinn. And I actually thought Clayface, beyond just being Clayface and doing Clayface things, looked really good. I thought the goo, gooey kind of slimy elements of Clayface, like visually speaking, technically speaking, were actually really well done for whatever that's yeah. worth. Um, look, like especially in the wake of Saints Row, I'm really hopeful that Gotham Knights is able to do just about anything interesting. Um, obviously, I have some reservations based off what we've seen so far, but if they can pull something out of the bag, it doesn't have to be, you know, the, the spiritual successor to the Arkham series at this rate, as long as it's just, you know, just gets the fundamentals right. I, you know, I'm hopeful that we get something solid out of that. Well, yeah, what's funny about it, I think is, um, is that when you talk about the Arkham series, right. And you want to sort of separate from that. You don't want to do the same thing. You want to take the good elements, but you want to then, you know, do something completely different, which is what they're trying to do. You fine. As long as you get the fighting and the combat feels fun, it doesn't have to look as good. It doesn't have, you know, it's going to look better, but it doesn't have to look, the modern equivalent of how good those games looked. That's fine. Um, but some of the things that um, Arkham did really well, I thought Arkham Knight did really well, was the, uh, you know, go, driving around the city and facing other enemies inside of the DC universe. And mm -hmm. I think that is what Gotham Knights needs to do. And I think that's why this was a smart trailer because they've actually said, look, we're not going to be like Marvel's Avengers where you're going to be facing one enemy on repeat um, or two <laughs> on repeat. We're just, I, I hope anyway, this is the first of, you know, a few characters that you're going to get to face, you're going to get to see inside I, of that universe. This mm, better not be exhaustive because this is it's just these three characters. Then I will I, be annoyed. I mean, I'm, I, I, don't I, spoil I, it for me. Don't spoil no, it for me, Jamie. I'm not going to spoil it for you. I've only got my hope. I don't know anything that you don't know. And so anything I did say would be speculate, speculation. But the vibe I got from this are like, here are the villains that are fundamental to the story and you're going to be coming across. I don't think this is going to be some... Arkham City or Arkham Knight, like, rogues gallery of DC villains. That's n not the vibe I got from maybe not to, any of what... Maybe not to that happened. level. I'm trying to think, because you remember the end of, um, near the end of Arkham Knight, there was, you had, like, a pinwheel of uh, yeah, different types of missions. And you, yeah. If it's kind of like that, and you can traverse the city uh, fight... Bro, I'd be I, very, very surprised. Really? Very I'd, surprised. Oh, yeah. right. You're making me sad again now. I mean, I just don't think any one element that I've uh, seen or read or heard or anything about Gotham Knights implies that that's what they're going for with this. Um, All they need to do, though, is just is like do... You know how Marvel have gone, hey, we're releasing a new playable character, right? We're putting out Black Panther. We're putting out um, 
uh, who's the dude with the bow and arrow, whatever his name is. All they, need, all I feel like DC need to do, or not DC, but um, uh, Gotham Knights need to do, is they just need to say, hey, after a year, we're putting out a new enemy. It's this, but it's Riddler. After another year, we're putting out another enemy. It's this, but they just need to, that's what they need to do. Wait, you want Gotham Knights to do that? Yeah. You want Gotham Knights to add new villains to the game, like, months after the fact? As DLC, for sure. Yeah, I think that'd be wicked. I want it, I want it to start strong. I want it to start very strong. But I am so up for a pseudo game as a service in the DC world where they put in new DLC where you oh my can get new enemies in, so the, you, in that environment. You, you're just asking DC to make a good Marvel's Avengers game? No, no, because I think they've... For everything I've seen, they've got the groundwork is all there, right? They've got... You've, the difference with Marvel's Avengers is... The, the one of the worst elements was were the levels. It was like so repetitive and dull. I'm but I'm all up for okay. You're in Arkham. You can we they can play around with Arkham and they can do what they want. And it's always going to be Arkham. And then they're going to seed in new enemies. I think they could easily do that as DLC. Can I'm they so, not? I'm, can I, they I, not? Would they, they not? They could. I'm just, they I just I think I think I'm surprised to hear that you want Gotham Knights to be a live service game. That's just not the direction I thought not, this not, conversation was going to go. Not live service, but like um, I would love to see. I'm hoping that it's not a. Uh, a one shot, one hit. Here are three villains, and then the game's done, and it was mediocre. I'd like to hear them say, "Oh, we're going to do DLC over the next however long, and it's going to introduce some new villains as well." I, I guess it depends how they handle the. Like, obviously, the Arkham games had plenty of DLC. I guess it depends how they handle it. Like, if it's an actual DLC, if it's like content, here's like, "Hey, here's a new story arc with Two Face at the center of it," then that's cool. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know the, the live service stuff that you've wandered into there does scare me a little bit not no no not like, Espe- not like especially because this like is all that, this is already a game that has had to tiptoe around the fact that like this has numbers coming out of people's heads and <laughs> you're equi- are you equipping gear there my friend what's 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 going on it, it, yeah it is it is a little but i i do wonder how much of the, how much of the game has been influenced by how badly received marvel's avengers was i mean they'd be smart surely. to pay attention to that they would be smart surely it's been it's been influenced by that um, but remains to be seen. Um, uh, Chinese developer mm-hmm. Everstone are um, putting a action game out. Where winds meet. I don't remember anything about this one. What the hell is that? Where winds meet. I can't this is this, this is the you you talked about it earlier as like reminding you of Black Myth Wukong, which is ah. Oh, um, I keep forgetting that this is the name of the game. It throws me. Yeah, where time. winds meet because it sounds like it's going to be like a, a, a like a Chinese romantic comedy. Like yes. A, but not a romantic comedy, just a romance, actually. Um, but no, the, yeah, it, no, it is it the would, kind no, of... It would be a comedy. It's got to be a comedy. Come on, where, where wins, wins me? Nah, because yeah. I'm imagining, like, what are those, like... Uh, I, can't remember the, I can't remember the name of the director, so I'm not even going to guess because I'm probably say something stupid. Um, but, like, those classic Chinese romance films... Um, but I this is not... This no is idea. not the, This is not that. <laughs> this is not that. This is no. where wins meet. <laughs> Which, uh, this is a yeah. quite flashy looking cool hand-to-hand combat um flashy chinese developed game which yeah does look a lot like black myth wukong um, it, it's one of those things where again like we, we talked about it a number of times now i don't know if it's the china element i don't know if it's the engine element so i can't even say with any confidence which engine this is running on but it's always slightly strange when a game like this shows up and immediately looks very expensive um mm. now th- this doesn't look as expensive or as uh technically uh, advanced as black myth wukong does uh, there are I, I will say the more you look at where winds meet the, the more there are some occasional rough edges where you're like actually this does look like a normal video game 
but there are it's also like it's got some cool stuff going for it say it's talking about black myth wukong did you see that the dev had uh got in a bit of hot water this week where um they said uh they don't want women to play their game <laughs> they don't oh god they're not they're not making a game for um uh that's those sorts of people they're just making a game that men can play and enjoy um and so the of course the reaction to that was oh so you're you're a bunch of incels making a game for incels which was yeah, yeah. interesting interesting well, little back and forth andrew tate's probably looking for a new revenue stream right about <laughs> now i guess we know where he went and worked andrew tate it's- presents black myth wukong <laughs> But yeah, you've got loads of people saying, oh, I'm never playing this game because of, uh, because of da 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 but I, I, that, yeah, okay. That, that dev has said stupid stuff in the past, and admittedly before it was um, largely translation issues that he got caught out with, but yeah, that is that is funny that he's done something stupid again. And if he did, I, I haven't heard those quotes myself, but just hearing you talk about it, those sounds like, they, those, they sound like incredibly stupid things to say. I want to say it was worse as well because you had some people actually speaking Mandarin who translated the interview and they said it was worse than just being sexist. It was like in one paragraph of the interview, it was like they said, pretty sure he's being homophobic, racist and sexist all in one paragraph. So it's like, wow, okay, he's really going hard. Those uh, those devs over there don't really give a shit. Um, we had a cool guest mm-hmm. at Gamescom opening night live. Was um, it the guy which- making Black Myth Wukong? It was not. It was oh, Hideo shit. Kojima, oh. who is making something, but it's not a game. It's a podcast, Jamie, called Brainstorm. Oh, God. I knew as soon as they, I saw that like weird Spotify plaque in the corner of the room he was in, I was like, something's up. This dude's not here to show us a trailer or talk about a game or link to anything else that's cool. Um, and yeah, I will say, Jonesy, they've put like an episode zero up, um, like as a little kind of like teaser, like, hey, here's... Welcome to Brainstruck. And I can tell you right now, even as a Bikadeo Kojima fan, a Stan maybe even on occasion, if the rest of, if the remainder of this podcast, if the actual episodes of this podcast have anything in common with this episode zero, whether it's the weird like robotic reverb effects they put on like the, the kind of the person introducing the show, or whether it's the monotonous robotic, like almost AI generated voice that uh, dubs over, the, yeah, yeah. the dubs over Hideo Kojima. I'm not listening to it. Like it was, well, it was, it was shocking. It was atrocious. <laughs> I so um, what was funny was when he was talking about it because he obviously doesn't speak English, right? He speaks Japanese. So Correct. when they were talking about it, my immediate first thought was interesting. How are they going to handle the fact that he doesn't speak English? Are they going to just do it in Japanese and then they're going to dub it, or are they going to have someone come and like? someone else do his almost like read his his words no, or how it, was it going to work it's interview um, style dub so he starts talking you hear him and then the volume goes lower and then an english voice dubs over the top yeah i don't need to i don't need to hear that yeah no you don't and wait like, till you hear like you, you also just think to yourself like if you're going to get someone to dub over to act to talk over hideo kojima make them engaging make they someone i want to listen to someone who puts like emotes in any way shape or form and like i genuinely there were points where i couldn't tell if this was like a siri style you know translation thing it's a, i want to it is ai though isn't it it's not a, it's not an actual translation it's, okay think, it is AI. okay there you go i think it is ai i think that's what they said i think then it's why like, i didn't they didn't they say at the time that it was like a, a live translation thing or something like that but it doesn't need to be. Like the first episode of this thing isn't out for two weeks. Why do we need a live AI translation? Just get someone to translate it and record a VO and put it over the top. 
Maybe because they're worried that that it won't be authentic. And and you would say, why the hell am I listening to a podcast where someone translates what he said when they could just read the words as though they were I mean, saying, at that it point, would be Hideo Kojima. So yeah, would you exactly. And at that point, you're talking about every single other piece of like podcast or audio or video material. And there is a lot of it that Hideo Kojima has ever produced. There are entire series on YouTube of stuff that like people don't really know about because they never got translated. And you can watch it all now with subtitles. And it's quite engaging. Um but like I just I don't know I thought the thought of like Spotify and Hideo Kojima actually coming together to make a real like legit stab at this I'd have thought they come up with a more um, elegant and easy listening uh, solution for some of these problems. Disappointing. Yes. No, yeah, it is, it is it is a weird one for sure. See if it changes before episode one though. Yeah, and it might may it may well do because obviously it's like you said it's a is a. Um, episode zero so maybe they're actually trialing a few things and seeing what the reaction of the public is before they go live Ooh. fucking hope so man um limbic entertainment have a new theme park sim which looks pretty cool if you like uh theme park you'll probably love this and that was the last time i played a roller coaster tycoon style game so <laughs> yeah it looked cool yeah. Yeah. you get to ride the rides that's one thing i always look for in a roller coaster tycoon style game can you so, ride the rides in first person which it does look like you can it's a must one have. of the most exciting things of the entire evening though jamie was the announcement of the ace man concept car um a collaboration with mini and pokemon it is the official vehicle of gamers that's never going to be released as a natural car because it's a concept car but it's going to come out in some form are you insanely excited are you going to get yourself oh, an ace man as soon as they I, uh, I have already remortgaged the house i don't own just to buy this car <sighs> Uh, this is one of those moments where you just you don't know whether to sigh or laugh or then sigh and and laugh and oh, you don't know this is like easily wins the award for the most ill-conceived and ill-judged segment of the entire live stream and yet I don't really feel like the blame falls on Jeff for this the blame falls on Minnie for completely like misunderstanding who their audience is and where their audience resides both in terms of the concept car they've generated and how they are actively promoting it, which is, you know, like weird promotional videos with a bunch of young models, like sitting around and laughing while, you know, climbing and, and lying all over a car, like a weird Pikachu dashboard that seems to be the only, you know, fundamentally sort of like gaming or gaming adjacent addition that they've made to what is an actually rather ugly looking car from the outside anyway. And all the talk about like the way it, it sort of, links to like vague chat about it linking to game systems like what none of it was elaborated on or discussed in any real tangible way just what a bizarre thing this is so i actually watched another video after the um after opening night live uh, about the aceman and um because it wasn't a gaming um, related video it was just about the aceman it was a, an interview that someone was doing with the same guy actually who was who was talking to jeff um, about it uh, there was no mention of anything gaming related whatsoever great and the dashboard which has a project so you, on the dash you have like a disc um oled screen you know which has all of your uh, information on your instrument display um the there are elements from that are then projected onto the dashboard either side of it so you get like weird shapes and stuff moving across the oled display and when they move off the side and you can like move them as well with a touch the oled's a touch display you can sort of like throw them and they'll then be moving around on the dashboard, like projected from above. Um, yeah, that literally is the only, I think they just put in some pictures of Pikachu 
for this to make it because it's all gamer, electric, right? Gamer car, yes, yeah, it's an electric car which is going to have loads of stuff fundamentally changed. I think they actually said how much of this is going to be retained in it when the car's actually released, and they're like, well, the roof's going to go, the um, the funky front lights are going to be different. Um, we're going to lose the. They, it has speakers all around, like uh, outside the car, which are all going to outside go outside the car. Um, so you're basically going to end up with an electric mini that looks just like an electric mini with an OLED display in the middle. Like, it's, yeah. it's, but, but, uh, it's nothing I, to do with gaming. No, the way I described it to you at the time was like, it, it's Homer Simpson's car from the future <laughs> being sold to people who do not have the interest in that product or the money to buy it. And it's yeah. not even a product they can be bought. It's a concept. But just I'm a, gonna, a stupid segment. I'm going to give it to Jeff. He probably got paid a lot of money. Uh, or, or Gamescom probably got a lot of money to allow Mini to be there to do that. That's why I said that the fact that this was ill-judged is entirely on Mini, and that's just them like not reading the room in terms of what kind of event this was and who they were going to be communicating with. But I'm I, I'm all down for Jeff getting paid and making shows like this happen through segments like this. I've got no qualms with that. Yeah, no, no, sure. and, it, and it wasn't. Um, <laughs> it, you know, the only if they'd have just like sodded off all of the gaming adjacent Pokemon adjacent stuff I think it probably would have been better because that just made it seem so obvious that it was yeah bullets. at least then you're just being transparent and be like hey here's a car a concept yes. car I guess and it's going to come out one day and maybe you'll be old enough and rich enough to buy it by that point don't like pander to us <laughs> by maybe. saying look it's got Pikachu on the dashboard and you can Bring your game console inside it. I would, I would have loved it if they'd have said, "There's a, there's a Nintendo Switch that you can pull out and play while you're driving," and you were like, "Wow, that's insanely dangerous." Exactly. But if they were just- Whereas, like, well, I, I can't play my Nintendo Switch and drive at the same time. And if the objective of the game was to not drive and play my Nintendo Switch, I can already do that with my current car by stopping the car and playing my Nintendo Switch, which I already own. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There you go. Um, okay, last few bits from ONL. Um, we had the Outlast Trials, um, which looked pretty terrifying, which, um, yeah, I'm never going to go anywhere near this game either, Jamie. Well, I don't know why they keep doing it to me, these horror games. They're far too terrifying. I don't like it. They're out there for someone. They're the right game for someone. They're not the right game for us, clearly. No, definitely not. I'm, try- I can't even- I'm trying to even remember the trailer for this because I blocked it out. It, of my this mind was the one that it kind of had it. like some saw style stuff going on, lots of experiment, lots of like like weird close up shots of uh, exposed necks after decapitations and oh, people, putting, it. people putting their Face hands into open wounds. Up. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, yeah. Looks pretty gruesome. And Outlast is already kind of scary. So, no thanks. Unless I, unless I have to do it for a video or a live stream or something, unless I'm forced into it. <laughs> what, unless we make you play it um, just so we can get your amazing You never reaction. know, you never know. I've been I've been forced to go on camera and play horror games before and one of them was an Outlast game, so never say never. <laughs> it was, yes. I, I, it's just mean. I don't know why we do it to you. It's not very nice. Entertainment, um, apparently. <laughs> the Finals uh, is a new shooter um, that was very near the end of the show um, from Embark Studios. Um, Jamie, actually, you had an interesting... Um, a uh, bit to say about this. I'll let you say it because I'm not going to ruin it. Yeah, well, ju- I just wanted to point out for people that didn't know that Embark Studios were the new team that I think is headed up by former EA executive Patrick Soderland, uh, and they announced their, at the time, first game. I think at the Game Awards last year, it was actually one of the closing games called Ark Raiders, which for anyone that doesn't remember, it's kind of like the cooperative third-person shooter where it seems like you're kind of in a post-apocalyptic environment that is now um, filled with big robots that roam around on kind of uh, 
four legs and eight legs. Basically, these big robotic things that you're kind of teaming up to take down. That was apparently going to be a free-to-play title that was due out sometime this year. Um, Embark announced, I think about a month ago, that Ark Raiders, unsurprisingly, was not going to come out this year. Um, But in fact, another title would be coming out sooner than uh, Ark Raiders, and we now know that to be the finals, which we don't know much about it other than that it's kind of a, I think, a free-to-play competitive shooter wrapped in sort of a a game show-style format. Um, But yeah, it seems as though the finals now coming out before Ark Raiders, so we'll see what that ends up looking like probably over the next... Well, hopefully in the next inside the next year. Otherwise, Art Raiders is even more, even further away than we'd anticipated. Yeah, you wonder if it's the fact that they they were like, "Hey, look, Art Raiders is going to take us so long to finish that we're going to push two games back, whereas at least we can get one finished and get it yeah. out um, before we finish off the other." And, one. So, hey, and, and what you'd say for like, I don't know how big that team is, and 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 kind of who's funding the stuff and where the money's coming from. But Art Raiders was a game that visually and technically looked very impressive right from the rip. And we didn't see much of the finals in gameplay terms because of the way this trailer was edited. But the glimpses we did get also looked quite sharp. They've got a cool, you know, uh, art direction, a cool kind of aesthetic about everything they've produced thus far. So uh, clearly an an interesting team making projects that are worth keeping an eye on. I'm not sure how I feel about everything they've made thus far, everything they've announced thus far being free to play. But I guess that's just the nature of the beast at the moment. Yes, no, for sure. Um... Jamie, there was one last thing at ONL that got one, ruined. One last, one last big. Oh, I was going to say one last big surprise. Surely it was a. It should have been a big surprise, um, but we actually talked about it on last week's podcast because uh, it got leaked by. Was it, did we say it was Amazon? Yeah, I think it was an Amazon listing. It was certainly a retail listing because it had you know the big blurb and the and the uh, the box art and screenshots and, and so on and so forth. I am, of course, we are, of course, talking about the uh, Dam Buster um, developed game um, published by Deep Silver, and that is Dead Island 2, which is going to be coming out in February of 2023. Luckily, the uh, cinematic trailer that we got to see um, from uh, ONL wasn't leaked, and we did actually get to see a very cool trailer, which seemed to um, keep some of that sort of humour that Dead Island had and showed off the uh, the new LA environment that they're going to be in, um, that kind of like pulp Hollywood um, kind of... Uh, hmm, I can't remember the word I'm trying to think of. Oh, well. You get to kill a lot of Hollywood-style people in some cool, gory fashions. We got to see some gameplay as well because they showed off a gameplay trailer at the end, which was so gruesome that they had to pixelate a lot of the worst deaths well, of people's faces getting blown off. Had to is, I think, a, a generous way of putting it. Well, yeah, I've had to to make you go and watch the trailer online. It was was, uh, not censored. Yeah. But look, I thought it looked wicked. I thought this looked exactly like um, what Dead Island 2 should be. Um, I hope that they've spent the time wisely since the the original and that they've um, come up with some cool ideas, some some cool ways to keep people engaged. It's effectively like they said, you become the zombie killer you want to be and, um, yeah, dispatch zombies in the coolest and most fun way possible. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of promising stuff here. Yeah, I think I agree with you. The cinematic trailer was a nice sort of like uh, little sort of like a tone, I guess, kind of reveal, if nothing else. And uh, reiterating 
um, that it is hitting a lot of those notes that we hoped it would hit when we talked about this game last week in terms of really embracing the kind of the potentially comedic and sort of slightly trashy uh, sides of uh, of Hele and that sort of like Beverly Hills environment and you know whether it's through uh, enemy design or just the outrageousness of the combat and the gruesomeness of the combat playing that stuff for laughs where there's room to especially as a way of further differentiating itself from dying light 2 which has increasingly gone in a slightly darker more serious uh, direction um i thought the gameplay trailer showed they showed off was interesting it certainly looks quite good it's got that really unique sort of hyper realistic especially when it comes to the the, uh, the faces and the and the and the, and the, and the uh, performance capture stuff but like it, 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 almost uncanny valley territory it reminded me of a trailer i don't know when it was maybe a year or two ago for stalker 2 where you're like god these faces look really good um but in a way that kind of like i'm distracted by the fact that they kind of look good um right and i i, I guess that's kind of like a backhanded compliment in a weird way and I, I don't mean that to be a negative thing it's just something that caught my eye um the gameplay itself, the fundamentals looked fine, like the little snippets we got of the melee combat and some of the range combat um, looked solid. Um, and it's interesting, when they talk about the game and you piece it together with a gameplay trailer that we got, it's clear that they are going for this direction that, like you said, is all about allowing you to kind of create the zombie-killing character that you want to create and using the wacky weapons that are probably going to be you know, pieced together in, in classic zombie game fashion that we used to and creating big gory spectacles and 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 fun and interesting ways to kill lots of people in very gruesome fashion and that's fine but i am also more interested in sort of like what are the overarching fundamentals of dead island 2 like what is their attempt to the story going to be like they clearly got lots of characters that we saw a you know a, a decent chunk of that cast in the gameplay trailer how do they all kind of fit together and what have they all got to offer and what are the kind of the the broader hooks here? That this is an open world game, I, I think, of some nature. And how? What are they? We, you know, we sat here and talked about Saints Row ad nauseum at the top of the podcast. What are the open world hooks that are present in Dead Island? You know, that's the kind of stuff I want to see more of next. But this was a solid first showing and a solid. I guess this is important reintroduction, right? It had to, it had to yes. not just say Dead Island Two is still in development. It had to say Dead Dead Island Two is still in development and kind of like metaphorically put its dick on the table in gameplay terms and i think it just about did enough of that to now be officially back on the menu and isn't that something that people can look at as you know a game that's coming out in february which isn't that far away and say like yeah i believe this is real and, you know i believe that development restarted four years ago and they've you know gone in this new direction and it looks the way it looks and, and i'm down for it yeah, no, me too. I think they've done exactly what they needed to. It's a little bit of a shame that um, we heard about it just before the show and that it got leaked a little bit. I'm sure yeah. Jeff wasn't too happy, but um, hey, it still had a kick-ass trailer and uh, yeah, fingers crossed that um, it all goes according to plan and they can get the release out for, um, yeah, like you say, February 2023 because that is not long at all. And I, for one, will be uh, really looking forward to playing it. So fingers crossed, Jamie, fingers crossed. Um, well... We've been going for over two hours. Should we, should we call it there? You're the hostess with the mostess, my friend. Um, yeah, we had a couple of other stories that we could talk about, but uh, do you know what? I think we can bump them to next week and we can talk about them. Um, I don't think they're going anywhere. <laughs> that is wishful thinking. I think they're going to go exactly one way, and that is in the bin. Because the gaming world moves fast, my friend. I don't think it will. I don't think the. I don't think the uh, these stories will go anywhere. I think they'll be saying that we'll, we'll mention next week, but we'll talk about them now for about half an hour. So <laughs> no, I don't have time for that because it's very late and I'm very tired. 
Um, So uh, thank you so much, Jamie. Um, Chris, I'm sure we'll be back next week. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for watching. If you would like to uh, join our Patreon, don't don't forget, don't remember, don't forget (laughs) that we're at patreon.com forward slash Super Show. We're also on Twitter and YouTube. You can reach out to us um, at Super Show Pod. Drop us a DM, drop us a comment, do all of that good stuff. Rate us if you're on a podcasting platform. Um, And thank you so much for watching. And we will see you again next time. Bye. See ya.